pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Audio Vault on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star is brought to you by AA Best Bail Bonds. 225-2121 or online at mybestbailbonds.com. It's 0600. What's the O stand for? Oh my God, it's early. Wake me up. Wake me up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake me up. Wake me up. Wake up. Rob Thompson. You don't believe the other way in transition to the top. Oh, 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 oh. I want some nasty. Rudy J. Cowboys win. How else would you settle this game? How about this, Cowboys? each day as if it were on purpose. I wake up in the morning, I piss excellent. R&R in the morning on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Good morning. Good morning to you. Good morning. There it is. It's R&R in the morning, a Monday edition. I'm Rob Thompson. My co-host Rudy J in it this morning, post-celebration relaxation, as James Pledger will be my partner in crime for the next three and a half, four hours, four hours. We're going to do all four. What do you say, Monday morning? All four? All four. That's the least we can do <laughs> on a busy uh, back-to-school Monday, right? We got kids going back to school, I think, this week. I mean, all I know is Rudy had himself a throwdown last yeah. night. Yeah. Happy uh, birthday, Tati, as we uh, enjoyed a fine quinceanera last night. It was a lot of fun. Tell you what, uh, it was a party. <laughs> oh, boy. There must be, I mean, I love going to quinceas, watching all the, the prettiness. You know I've what I never mean? been to one. Well, it's a, it's a party. It's a birthday party, but it's like it's not like a wedding. There's a singular focus, and it's her. You know yeah. what I mean? And what it must be like to be that girl must be pretty cool. Nice night. That coming on the uh, end of what was a busy and uh, emotional weekend for me. I'll tell you what, the Hall of Fame thing. That take it out of you? You know, there's um, every time I listen to it, and I'm not a, I don't really watch Hall of Fame inductions. You said some Shailene? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, of course, as the Spurs uh, were there in, in mass up in Springfield, um, what a great weekend. I don't know how to how to parse what I went through this weekend, but it certainly was the end of an era. I know how I parsed it. It was the final chapter and the closing mm-hmm. of a book. And that was hard to go through. And because I got that sense, I started feeling it on Friday, listening to Pop. And we're going to have sound from all weekend long today. Uh, Becky kind of set the table for what was going to be an emotional day. Um, and we'll kind of start it with that. You're going to hear from Becky. You're going to hear from Pop. You're going to hear from Tony. Uh, you're going to hear... Uh, Everything we can as the uh, the induction went through. And so many names were thrown around. And so many little inside jokes that us Spurs fans got that the rest of the world didn't. And I, maybe that's why I enjoyed it so. Uh, lots of football. That was nice. That, I, I, I kind of, because it's preseason for all of us, right? I had to kind of get into my routine of being home after right. church by noon so that I could have food ready so that when I turn on the TV, the game starts and everything's 
in its place the way it should be and the time that it should be there. So there were some hiccups along the way, but it's preseason for everybody. Yeah. Um, we'll go through the scores, talk about it. We're going to hear from all of the pertinent Dallas Cowboys as they go down. And what was a, uh, I mean, it's a preseason game, 28-23. I think there was lots to be afraid of, lots to really discuss. That offensive line scary, man. You know, going in on Friday, I asked RJ Ochoa, you know, when deals, when you're looking at negotiations, there's only two reasons why deals are done, especially pain and deadlines. Deadlines make deals, and so does pain. Was there enough pain on uh what we saw on Saturday night for you, uh, for the offensive line to maybe give Zach Martin's people a call? I don't know. I know I saw pain. It was worrisome. I, as a Cowboy fan, how much pain did you see? I'll, I'll tell you, I'm glad it wasn't Dak back there. Maybe, I mean, maybe there's Rush. a reason he ain't playing. Uh, there's the offensive line. Uh, certainly the, the, uh, under, the undertones to the game. It was McCarthy's first game to call plays since uh, his last stint with Green Bay back in 20, what was it, 18, I think was the last time he called yeah. plays. Um, I learned he's going to have a new get-out-of-jail-free card all year. Uh, is his name Jake Ferguson? Or oh, is it no. Deuce? Mc- Deuce? It, it, it's his excuse. Oh. Oh, I don't know. I'm not paying to that. I got a whole new job that I'm taking care of. <laughs> He's already leaning on that crutch pretty hard. You're going to hear it personally. McCarthy, when asked a question about one of his, was it Mozzie? No, it was the offensive oh, line. Oh, it was right. right. It his was concerns ball. about the line. Yeah. Uh, it was Ball asking if, how'd I play today, coach? And coach told him, hey, man, I got another job. I was kind of busy. <laughs> so you're right. That might be his get out of free, get out of jail free card. Uh, it's going to be a big week around the uh, star. We got another game coming your way for the Dallas Cowboys Saturday night as they take on the Seahawks in game two of the preseason. On Friday, uh, we're going to be out live at the Hunter's Extravaganza, Ooh. which is a, for me, it's one of those signpost events mm-hmm. because I know once that's done, dove season is coming, baby. Mm-hmm. We're just a couple of weeks away from dove season. And if you haven't been out to Joe Freeman Coliseum and enjoyed the Hunter's Extravaganza, it's not just for hunters, though. <laughs> Let's not kid ourselves. It's it is a giant toy store for hunters. Take the kids, man. I got rattlesnakes. And Are you going to go out there and pet a rattlesnake? I, you know what? It's pretty crazy to watch. <laughs> Those dudes seen go it. stomp around inside with a, a pen full of about fifty rattlesnakes, having them pop balloons and all kinds of stuff. You could offer Ooh. me the one billion dollar Mega Millions or whatever it is. I would still would not step foot. Within three feet of that, cage. you know, it's funny when you said that. My brain went another way. If I had won the billion, there wouldn't be a thing at the Hunter's Extravaganza I wouldn't own. <laughs> I would just walk in and buy one of each. They've got so much cool stuff. Oh yeah, the stuff is oh, cool, man. But the snake pin, well, the, I'm out. <laughs> it's a crazy. <laughs> I have some snake boots. You ever? They're. Uh... I have a legitimate fear of snakes. Yeah, me too. The only problem with those snake boots are they're so hot. Just wrap it. So oh, like I don't snake ever boots wear as them in pr- snake skin or snake boots no, as in like snake proof, so you don't get bit below the knee by a rattlesnake kind of oh. walk dove hunting boots. And I I need those. First of all, they're I mean, picture walking around right about now dove season. Mm-hmm. It's a hundred and two, mm-hmm. and you're wearing you're wrapped in leather to your knee. It's hot. You've seen how I dress, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't. I don't see you ever in those. I don't see you at all. What did we get? A, did we get 106 yesterday? Yeah, it was nice. Dude. I was out by the pool for a little bit. It's almost too hot to be by the pool. You I spent the weekend the by the pool. You got to be in the pool. Oh, I got in the pool. 
I did. The it, problem is the pool's not even cool. That's that's the issue, right? <laughs> I have a friend that uh, is in the pool business, and he says he puts as many pool coolers in as he does heaters anymore. Good, that, like that's needed because that water is not circulating enough to keep it cold. <laughs> I'm lucky. I have a I have a pool. Luckily, I'm I am lucky. But there's a I have a giant tree that blocks the sun onto the pool. So it's shaded in the morning. So it doesn't get direct sunlight till about two thirty or three o'clock in the afternoon, which has kept my pool relatively cool. I mean, relatively, it's still running about eighty eight, eighty nine degrees. But I've heard. Did you see down in South Florida the ocean water is like upwards of a hundred degrees? The ocean no. water, yeah, it's like ninety five, ninety six degrees off the coast of Miami. So but, we still just saying global warming's not real. Just a global frothy. Because <laughs> it feels. And here's the other thing I've heard. I've heard not only of where you're going to have this unseasonably hot like summer like we've had, but, but we're going to have a wet. very, very cold winter. It's the return of La Nina. Oh, no. La Nina shall return. She caused problems last time. Well, yeah. I thought, do you believe the, the Farmer's Almanac stuff? No. I mean, <laughs> but it's always right. Well, then why don't you believe it? I mean, statistics should tell me, like, they're right too often for this to be coincidence but i kind of look at the farmer's farmer's almanac like i look at astrology <laughs> yeah it's kind of that you know you say all that and you laugh at the farmer's almanac and you know the old have you ever seen one of those dudes come by and divine for water with the stick oh the stick that like and it freaking uh, works I mean, and it works. I don't. I don't know. So you can laugh at the farmer's almanac, but I saw a guy from our from Saws. I'm not kidding you. This has been about 20 years ago. I had, it was one of those things where your main broke between your house, yeah, and uh, the the street, and I couldn't quite figure out where it was. And this dude went by, snapped this like Y shaped stick yeah. off of a tree. And doubled it over or something, and he started walking in this little grid pattern. And every time the stick would like flop down, he'd spray a little thing, and I'll be darned. I'm not kidding. Where he exited out, they dug, and that's where the leak was. I watched it happen. I had to go to church, man. That was <laughs> that was witchcraft, man. So at that that's point, not that's not a true story. I, th- Rob. That is a true story. I watched it happen. I watched the dude do it. I stood out there and watched him just with the stick, and it would, and he kind of doubled it over so it was like dangling. And every time he held it by the Y to give you an idea, and he flipped it the other way. And every time he walked over wherever the water was, the thing would flip over. And then he put a little thing by, and then he'd come. And before you knew it, there was like this X line that every, I, I kid you not. What you are describing up, is a real life Ouija board. I'm telling you, I watched <laughs> anybody else seen this? 656 ESPN. If you've ever seen this, Brother. You know what I'm talking about. It's real. That worked. A stick found water. Uh, and then there's the ones where I've seen them with the, they take two coat hangers and they put them in the shape of an L and they hold on to the short oh, yeah, part yeah. of the L and whenever they cross. I've yeah, seen that. I've, seen I've never that. actually witnessed that in person, but I did see the dude with the stick. Now, the one thing I can tell you that I do believe, if you're on a golf course <laughs> okay. and you're putting on the green. Uh-huh. All grains break towards water. That's true. Yeah. But that just kind of goes without saying. Water is always going to be at the lowest point. Well, that and the grass, like the grain of the grass but grows I, towards th- the There water. you go. That might be more appropriate. Did you watch any of the FedEx this weekend? 
I did a little a bit. A little overtime last night? I missed it. I was at the... So, uh, what's his name? One, two in a row, right? What? Joe didn't have it on his phone well, while we were, we, <laughs> we should have, actually. <laughs> but we were celebrating a fine quince. No, um, what's his name? One, two in a row. Cantley? Yeah. Yeah. We got two more. Patrick Cantley. So now we're down to 50? Uh, yes. The cut's down to 50 or 40. I think we go to 50 then, to 30. Yes. That, and then 30. 30 in two weeks. I guess that's enough to keep me in, interested. Is but, it? Eh, I don't know. Seriously. <laughs> Tiger's not there. No. <laughs> but seriously, it's enough, right? Um, I mean, I mean, it's different. This weekend, I, I won't count. Because I do enjoy the FedEx rundown. It's it's a lot of fun to watch. There's some there's there's something to it. There's something to it, but it's still not a major, right? And it's and that's what they're trying to chase. And the problem uh, it's not a major. You're trying to manufacture. We know it's the end of the season, but there's also football and a Hall of Fame. There's just so much going on this week, and I wonder if I'll be able to give it the no. the uh, probably not. <laughs> no, you're right. Because I can tell you exactly where ninety nine percent of my hours were logged. And it was on NFL Network. And quick question for those of us that are cord cutters. If you're a cord cutter, could you find the Cowboy game other than right here here on San Antonio Sports Car on Saturday night? Because as a cord cutter, I couldn't find it. I had to watch a replay of the Cowboy game. I bet it was out there in the ether, but I just couldn't zero in on it. And it's yet another occurrence of this mangled digital world where I have so much trouble just watching the team that I want to watch. By the way, you're welcome. For? The NFL Plus that I put on the topic pool a couple days ago. Well, uh, in desperation, I bought it. I would have bought it anyway. But it would still it was blacked out on the NFL Plus. They are going to make so much money off of this. Do you think now what James is talking about? And we all know for those of us who purchase these things that to for the longest time uh, to get the ticket or the red zone, you had to buy that Sunday ticket. And for the most part, most of us, I don't need it. My my know. team's local. Do you think that the uh, NFL is going to learn something as they've broken this off the yes. red zone off? That most of us were probably buying the ticket to get to the red zone. I the the reason I've never had the red zone is because I didn't have a need for the ticket. Right. My games are local anyway and when it's not on like I'll watch whatever's there if my game's not on, but for the most part the only reason I wanted the red zone channel was for the red zone channel. I didn't want the Sunday ticket. And now you're giving me an a la carte option? Well, I don't know if I had an if there was one prior. I know that you know about 10 years ago I started buying the Sunday ticket and mm-hmm. the red zone. And it was one of those deals. They just billed me for it every year to the point where I never even really thought about it again until this year. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think I was actually not paying for the ticket and only the red zone. And if I did have the ticket, I wasn't watching it, <laughs> which is another entirely different story, how much money I might have wasted. But now that you can break it out. Yes. So I, I paid for the deluxe model, the uh, $15, where I get it on my device mm-hmm. and my TV. Though you've told me, because I have a Samsung TV and a Samsung phone, I probably could have like somehow yeah, magically thrown it up onto my screen. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's worth $8 a month. But, you know, the problem is, your notifications will come through. Yeah, that would be a bit of an issue. Yeah, so then, it's you know, probably my, best my search you got history the might pop up. You know, well, yeah, but might, all of our search history, you know, just up. pops up, and you know, you never know. You never where know. you might have been the night before, a late night roam. Uh-huh. I mean, you 
you fall down a rabbit hole sometimes, whether it's you never TikTok know. or just the internet. Sometimes you, know. you just hit a link, you know? Sometimes, and that link leads to something else, and before you know it, you're in trouble. Hey, they're headline writers, too, and sometimes the headline just hooks you in. <laughs> we'll talk about it. All right, this is what your day is going to look like. Coming back, let's look at the Cowboys. They go down 28-23. What questions were answers and what lingered? We know that offensive line was a bit of a problem. What do you think of tight ends? How about RB2 and QB2? We're going to hear from your head coach, Mike McCarthy, who also donned a brand-new job as he began play calling. We'll talk about how that went and all that went through it. Then at 6.30, don't miss. We're going to start looking back at the Hall of Fame weekend as our Spurs donned their orange jackets and talked about the past. Becky and Pop and Tony and all, we're going to have it for you. Don't go anywhere. We are San Antonio's Sports Star, and we've got all you need. We'll be right back right here on 94.1 and SASportsStar.com. The Jim Rome Show is coming to San Antonio. He's great. He's awesome. The guy's insane. The Jim Rome Show debuts this Monday at 12 noon on 94.1 San Antonio's Sports Star. Always going for it, never pump. Fourth down, last call. Hail Mary, Prescott, touchdown. Hey, honey, bands in my pocket, it's on me. Honey, deep when I roll like the army. It's R and R, minus one of them. I'm Rob Rudy in the hole today. He'll be back tomorrow. James Pledger putting in the hours today. There's an R at the end of Pledger. There is. We got. We can always <laughs> find an R when appropriate. Uh, Cowboys grabbed an L on uh, Saturday. I see what you did there. Yeah, wasn't that pretty good? <laughs> that was that first sip of coffee. Starting, the synapses are starting to fire. Uh, 28-23 and a loss to Jacksonville. There was good and bad. What would you think? All in all, it was exactly what I expected uh, in, in every facet. Um you knew the offensive line was going to going to suffer a bit mm-hmm. just because absentee personnel, whether they're holding out or just not playing. So, the, And the Jacksonville D-line is pretty thick. I mean, that's a solid defense yeah. that they were going against. So that was frightening, though not surprising. I, I think there's some questions that weren't answered that we're going to have to seriously look at, like at backup quarterback, if we get there. RB2 might have had a question, might have had an answer. But... You know what? What exactly are you looking for when you in game one of the preseason? You've already, you had a chance on Thursday night, James, to watch the Texans. Mm-hmm. So when you go into game one of the preseason, what what are you looking for? You take everything into account, right? Little things, little things. You understand that C.J. Stroud didn't have three to four of his starting offensive linemen, and you kind of go from there. You understand C.J. Stroud is a rookie, double pumped on a on a play that he probably shouldn't have. And that cost him an interception. I think he got goaded into that one, too. I think that was a, Oh, I think he hesitated. You think it was a hezzy? Because that safety Cause seemed like he was just waiting on him. Like, it wasn't a pump so much as it was a double clutch. Well, he, that was a rookie look. And that's what you expect, yes. right? I mean, rookie, rookie stuff. Well, you asked Mike McCarthy what he's looking for, what he wanted to get out of his first preseason game. And there was a lot on his plate. This is what he said. Uh, as far as the overall, what I expected from the team and what it told him the expectation was... You know, you, you you always have your first game, your first preseason game, and it's critical in that first preseason game to get the pace of operation, to establish your play style, and, and get the mechanics, the communication. I mean, it, you know, there'll be a number of things. I know personally, I I, I got to be better um, in, in that area. Just you know, it's, it's things that go on and uh, during the course of the game. So I, I thought we got off to a, a solid start, but there's a lot of, a lot of good things to, to learn from. But it, um, I, I really love the energy. 
uh, that our young guys played with, and uh, you know, especially the young, the young bunch that got to play against their, you know, their first group there, uh, first couple series. So it's just, it's just a great experience, you know, a lot of opportunity tonight, and uh, you know, but it's our starting point, and it's really true every single preseason in that first game. So um, I think we definitely hit the target as far as opportunity, you know, the results and the production and um, performance, you know. We're all about education, application, and evaluation. So we got a lot to evaluate. Education, application, evaluation, established playing style. He had all the key coaching mantras. The uh, let's talk about. He said establishing playing style. Did you get a sense of a established play style? Yeah, me too. Yeah, uh, I felt like <laughs> Mike did initiate it. Um, I do feel like they started to, I don't want to say it was even with the running style. Um, I don't want to say that there was an emphasis on running the football, but you could tell there was an emphasis in the play calling. Did the you- short passing, mm-hmm. the uh, get the ball out of your hand quick. Like I noticed a, a different type of play calls being offered like by what? Mike McCarthy. Different from Kellen in that? It seemed, uh, at least with Cooper Rush and Will Greer, like get the ball out of your hand. Like Things are happening at a much more deliberate pace. There was a, a, a fluidness, especially in the third quarter. I, I felt like Will Greer and McCarthy – Middle of the third, nice drive, touchdown move. This is the Start deuce. Clicking. This was the deuce touchdown mm-hmm. drive. Um, lot of lot of pace. They were getting the play call in. Snap ten seconds before shot clock. I mean shot clock. Play clock was done. A lot of pace. It was that was the most fluid run he had all day. Where there was probably ten, twelve. Well, not that's probably more than about eight calls. Yep. In a row that boom, 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 boom. The ball moved down the field, and you go, "This is what they're chasing." And it and it felt. Very West Coast. It mm-hmm. quick passes down the edges, seems to Ferg. Little play action right off the top. A little quick action with the runs, especially those little off the guard little trap plays. I, I don't. They weren't traps, but when they're running the ball, you can see. But where, they have the doubles on the inside. You can yeah. see where Pollard is going to be headed when he does, in fact, carry the ball. And I thought that was the best part of what I saw. I, I saw what McCarthy was talking about in training camp. We would see little bits and pieces of that three and four little play runs in practice, but I hadn't seen them stack plays like that over and over. So when they're given grades, I think McCarthy in the third quarter, uh, coming out of halftime, had his best quarter. I th- I felt like, and as he said, it was like getting back on a bike. And uh, I think second half he felt really started to get the flow. But with all that in mind, I think the question everybody has as the game was over is the same thing that McCarthy talked about. That O line did not look good. Well, I mean, it's it's definitely a concern. I mean, just you know, because you know, when you look at the just the way you practice, you know, I mean, the goal is and, and concerns not because I, I, I don't want this going to backtrack on that real quick. It's a focus would be a better some scratch Concern, focus. Um, it's a focus, you know, because you always would like to get to a point in camp where you, we have your five, 
you know, your five guys that you're, you're going to try to get connected and, and get into a rhythm and so forth. Uh, you know, we're, we're obviously not at that point. Um, you know, we have we have some veterans, we have we have some moving parts. So on the flip side of that, it does create a lot of opportunity for our young players. You know, and uh, just talking with Josh Ball before I come in here, I, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what he, you know, what. You know how his game went. He asked me how he asked me how he did. I said, "Well, I got this new gig. I'm kind of busy. sorry I didn't get to watch it." Like, but um, there it is. So uh, you know, it's it, this is this is good for us. I mean, I think it's will pay dividends in the long run. But you know, but at, at some point, you do want to get into that routine of of getting five guys working together. At some point, at some point, you want to get in the routine. At some point, you know, when you have time. I know you've got a new gig, Mike, that uh, is eating up a lot of. <laughs> your time and you don't have time to necessarily focus on other things right now. Mike initiated. That's going to be his crutch this year. Of course. I like it. it. Right? I love it. Hey, man, I was calling plays. Go ask offensive line. Oh, he can't talk. Oh, you're the head coach. Oh, that's you should right. know. But I, I'll give him a pass for the next month. Sure. Like, legit, I'm focused on other stuff. Yeah. I'm letting my assistants handle it. But you can't not focus on an O line that was. I wouldn't call it a sieve, but it that first quarter was a mess, and Cooper Rush was under duress from the moment he walked on the field. There were cracks. There were cracks in the line, and those need yeah, – I don't care if you got to buy some flex seal or what to patch those up, but you got to get it taken care of. And my question now becomes, you always talk about pain with Zach Martin and the Dallas Cowboys. Pain. Was that enough pain to get Jerry to the negotiating table? Because it feels like they're just leaving Zach going straight to voicemail right now. They're not even addressing the situation. You're under contract. We don't want to talk to you. What would you do today? Today? You're Jerry. Oh, if I'm Jerry, I would have done this as soon as he didn't show up. As soon as he voiced frustration, I'm trying to get that worked out. That's what I would have done if I was Jerry. But now that I'm Jerry, I don't know. He feels pretty dug in on on this. And if he's as dug in as it feels like when he and Steven were talking to y'all at Oxnard and leading up to this, if he continues to be that dug in and Zach Martin doesn't fold and come back to camp at some point, you have to consider trading him. Get something for him because if this is going to drag on into the regular season, I'd rather get value than just watch him sit out for half the year. Well, the pain established is the 50K a day, which continues to add up. I'm not sure it was enough. I don't think if I'm, if I'm Jerry today, I wake up going, I got to go get Zach Martin. I, I really don't think it was enough to frighten me. It looked bad. It did. But I think it was good enough to not panic. Now, talk to me in two weeks. Talk to me in two weeks. Mm-hmm. And I think if I'm Jerry and I'm Steven and I'm game planning out through September that I don't realistically expect to see Zach until the end of August. And let's just make do. But I, I think at the end of the day, he's going to show up under the handshake promise of next summer. Did... Anything Saturday get you to come over to uh, Joe's Man Crush? Well, I think we did have a separator there. I, I don't know what Schoonmaker's capable of because, quite frankly, uh, we haven't seen enough of him. But Ferg's, it looks like this is Ferg's gig. Uh, both quarterbacks look for him. Both, I mean, and what I don't know who was doing color for the Cowboy game. Who was doing the uh, 
um, whoever it was brought up something important about, you know, there are those those second stringers and the third stringers get, especially the second liners, um, get the opportunity to run with the ones, the twos, and the threes sometimes. Yeah. So when you saw those guys that were successful under Cooper and Greer, like Ferg was, tells you these guys have gotten reps with everybody and everybody likes them. I can't imagine an offense that doesn't start Ferg. That doesn't mean they're not going to play all four or, or <laughs> shoot. I think every tight end on the Cowboys roster will be playing this season. I'm just not sure which is going to be on another team. Because even the fourth stringer looked pretty good. This is a very tight end-centric, at least in game one, kind of offense. Because all the tight ends. Didn't one of them get a touchdown? Fourth stringer get a TD? Uh, Big old boy got the fourth stringer. I mean, or at least a, a deep catch. So... I like the tight end position, and it looked like, uh, yeah, Joe's boy separated. We're going to continue. Uh, John do, Stevens yeah, Jr.? Yeah, Stevens had a good game. He had a good, I think all four of these guys are going to get paid to play football in the next year in the NFL. It might be a practice squad thing, but every one of those guys look good, and it might be just a format of the offense more than anything else. What would you think of Deuce? Did Rico hold on to RB2? How about those rookie and second-year wide receivers? There were a couple of nice catches from some guys that we've been waiting on. We're going to continue talking Dallas Cowboys as we move along, but the weekend was about tribute. The weekend was about San Antonio Spur fan finally putting to bed the era of greatness. We said hello and goodbye as we had a couple of Spurs enter the Hall of Fame this weekend. We're going to hear from Pop. We're going to hear from Becky. We're going to hear from Tony. Um, go grab your Kleenex box. <laughs> It was an emotional weekend for us Spurs fans. We'll start hearing from Becky and Pop next. This is R&R, and you're on 941 San Antonio Sports. R&R in the morning on 941 San Antonio Sports Star. Good morning to you. Good morning. It's R&R here on San Antonio Sports Star. No Rudy today, but we do get the pleasure of James Fledger early in the morning. Thanks for setting your alarm this morning and joining me. Always glad to see you. Not used to that alarm anymore. Oh, man, it's a beatdown, <laughs> isn't it? And you beat me here this morning. I know. I was. I beat both of y'all here this morning. I, I turned the corner. I was expecting to see. I didn't see you. I beat Jimmy here. Like The only person I didn't beat was Trey Ware. Well, Trey got here at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> so no no one beats Trey here you know the weekend was emotional for sure it started friday as the spurs and all of our friends and family arrived in springfield mass for the hall of fame induction ceremonies and so many so many spurs angles i mean from Paul gasol mm-hmm. uh certainly becky and pop and tony but it just seemed like it was a family reunion of spurs types when you get you know inferences from pop talking about tom james who's the the PR side of things. Just a, it was a very family kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think when Becky offered her induction, it was um, a precursor for Pop, but this was a weekend that was focused on Greg Popovich. Yeah, and I think it it had to have been because when you think about the Spurs and the the iteration of what they've been through. Pop was the glue. And more so than I believe people realize or he he'll even take credit for. Like Tim was 
the rock tony was the guiding light uh manu was the the brashness but pop was he was the the solid point of all of it that helped guide them through it because he talked about all weekend long, whether it was in his speech, whether it was at his press conference, the relationships that he's built and not taking those for granted. And I think a lot of coaches kind of overlook the relationship side of basketball and they, you know, it's a job. It's about basketball. It's about X's and O's. It's about the next thing. And to pop, it became about so much more than just basketball. Becky Hammond kind of summed things up that I think all of the guys that went in uh, think about Pop. This is her reflecting on her relationship with him. But I was also blessed with being around people of great excellence. Pop, I'm not going to look at you. You're a man of principle and excellence. I know you weren't trying to be courageous when you hired me, but you did do something nobody else in professional sports has ever done. You display excellence, you expect excellence, and model how to become excellent in your everyday routine and how you go about your work. You spoke courage into me with a phone call as I was getting ready to coach that first summer league team in 2015. You said, just be you. You're going to be great. And you've texted me that. I don't even know if you know how many times you've actually texted me that. <laughs> just be you. Just be you. Just be you. And you've changed the trajectory of my life and of so many other girls and young women. Thank you. I love you. And just one. Of the many instances. Over Clint there? Oh, man. <laughs> From, you know, Tony thanking him to Dirk even shouting out Pop and the Spurs, how much he hated the Spurs. Pau Gasol. I mean, the number and the ripple effect that the guy had had. And you never even consider, when you think of Pop, the the effect he's had on women's basketball by just hiring Becky. Yeah. By just hiring Becky. Uh, what they describe? What does she describe him as? A man of principle. Just a remarkable weekend. To hear, you know, your guys reflect on our guys. Um, Pop was always funny, and you get the sense that during the <laughs> that during all of this, um, that Pop was un- uncomfortable. Would that be a good term? Uncomfortable would be. A- uh, you know, I didn't get uncomfortable from him. As a matter of fact, I. F- thought pop was as comfortable in front of a microphone as i can have ever seen him well listen to this when we talk about duh thank you for your patience but that's the first reason why i'm standing here the second reason involves one word so it's going to be quick that's great huh one word and that word is duh
I'm not done. For those watching, Ahmad Rashad thought he was done. He was getting the playoff music. And I'm glad to see Ahmad, by the way. I didn't say duh was the end. I just said there's one word to describe why I'm here. And that's duh, those guys. Did you hear the little video where I said, listen? Listening is important. I was tasked with the job to try to create an environment so we could have some success. You know, people, you know, you've got some good players, you've got to do something. And I'm going to give myself credit. I did. You know what I did? I was there. <laughs> I watched it all. I saw it, and I have pictures to prove that I was there while they won championships. And you can't take that away from me. In my experience, oh, by the way, that's Greg Popovich in his Hall of Fame induction uh, speech on Saturday. In my experience, and I've known, you know, we all know, savants geniuses in certain things Mm -hmm. and everyone that i've known that are just above and beyond and whatever field that is they look at their genius as common sense they can't understand why you don't see things the way they do that's just how things should work that's that's the genius and we all look at it like how did you come to this pop legitimately believes and we'll tell you hey man anybody could have done this I just happened to be the coach of Tony, Tim, and Manu. And if you didn't do this, how how could you not win with Tony, Tim, and Manu? And he, to his core, believes that those guys were going to win, and he was just glad to be a part of it. And that is so far <laughs> from the truth. That is so it's far. So, and I would like to think that it was hyperbole, and it was him you know, just saying the right things. But... It has always been that case that he just believes that, you know, everybody would have done what I did. I just happened to be here. And but for that, it could have been you, which is so far from the truth and is why so many people who have been graced by having pop around realize that this servant leadership, this you just do what you do, just be you. And that'll be enough. And to think that he believes in his core that anybody could have done this. And maybe somebody could have won one. Like any, it, It's a lot like Barry Switzer, right? You can win one. <laughs> it's after that, what can you do? And the fact that he won five, and it's not this that he won five, but look at what he had to go through to get to those five. You know, you had the, the Lakers in their prime. You had the um, Jazz early on when they have Malone and Stockton. You had the the Kings when they were a dominant force. The the sons that they kept from a title for as long as they did with the D'Antoni led teams. Like the what the Western Conference was a bear to get through. And not only did you win five, but it's the way you won five. It's four down to we need to take some weight off of Tim to preserve him to the beautiful, the beautiful game. game, which has sparked what basketball has started to become today. And it is different styles over different eras and different ways and player safety first and foremost above everything else to prolong a person's career. Like he's done all of these things for the game and that kept their window open as long as it did that I don't think any other coach could have done. 20 years of excellence started with a deal, 
a deal that Pop made with David Robbins. We'll talk about that next. You're on R&R. This is 94.1, San Antonio's Sports Star. You're on the star. He's James. I'm Rob. No Rudy today. He'll be back tomorrow. It's going to be a good week. The Blitz is going to be live out at the Hunter's Extravaganza going on at the Joe Freeman. If you haven't been, they're here every year. It's kind of those signpost events. And Hunter's, if you've not been, you need to go. I've got some tickets to give away, and we're going to do them in about 15 minutes. If you want to go check out the Hunter's Extravaganza, come out and see us on Friday as the Blitz will be broadcasting live from Joe Freeman from 2 to 6. I got those tickets to give away in just a couple of minutes. Hang on tight. It was Hall of Fame weekend around uh, up in Springfield, and tears were flowing whether you were there or watching it on TV. It was, of course, an emotional day. But, you know, Pop is there because of the players. He'll tell you, duh, as he did in the last. But nothing would have happened when Pop took over. Remember the year that Pop took over? David had been out with a bad back. Bob Hill had been fired for consistent 50-win seasons. But no playoff victories, and here comes Pop. Well, it all began with Pop and the number one dude. That was David before Tim, and it all began with a deal. And with David, it was, okay, I curse. (laughs) I don't want to curse. I know it's ignorant, but you got to be who you are because kids hold your ears. Because players have great bullshit and I. And if you're not genuine, they know it in a second. Just be yourself. You can't be Johnny Wooden or Bobby Knight or whoever. You can't do it. You just have to be yourself. So I made a deal with David, and he said, Pop, as long as you don't take the name of the Lord in vain, I'm going to try to put up with you. And I want to thank you for doing that. Because it, it worked. It worked. A simple deal that paid a little bit of dividends. we got so much more. Pop talks about Tony and Manu and Tim and others. We're going to continue with the Hall of Fame induction, but the NFL took hold over the weekend. The gumbo, she is hot. Let's look at what we saw over the weekend and hear from McCarthy. Talk about that O-line that had a bit of trouble and that little running back that picked up, what, 80 yards? Had himself a day. The deuce was dropped on the NFL. <laughs> Gumbo coming next. You're on R&R. This is 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. It's 0600. What's the O stand for? Oh, my God, it's early. Wake me up. Wake me up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake me up. Oh, wake me up. Wake up. Rob Thompson. You don't believe the other way in transition to the oh. Oh. left hand oh. slam. I want some matches. Rudy J. Cowboys win. How else would you settle this game? How about this, Cowboys? Yeah. each day as if it were on purpose. I wake up in the morning, I piss excellent. R&R in the morning on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Good morning. Hey, 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 <laughs> Good morning to you. <laughs> And that's James Pledger. I'm Rob Thompson. R&R in the morning continues. Hour two. If you missed the first, where you been? Set your alarm earlier. You can go to sasportstar.com. There you find the audio vault brought to you by AA Best Bell Bonds. That's the place you land for all things Sports Star live and in person. If we talked, it's there. You can catch up and use it as your podcast central. Take us with you wherever you go in the great wide big world. Well, our first weekend of uh, football is done. Mm-hmm. 
early thoughts as the Texans uh, take a win, 20-9. Vikings and Seahawks on Thursday. Seahawks win 24-13. Friday night, the Lions take down the Giants 21-16. The Buccaneers lose to the Steelers 27-17. Packers <laughs> and Jordan Love's debut take a 36-19 win over the Bengals minus Joe Burrow. That was impressive. The Falcons' offense looked pretty good against the Dolphins 19-3. After watching the... Uh, the quarterback show on on uh, Netflix. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that uh, young quarterback there for Atlanta had a prayer, but he's not bad. Desmond, Desmond Ritter, not bad. He's all right. He got some work to do, but uh, Bijan looks. Jordan Love looked impressive. You know, that's I, I was hoping that would be the case. I really did. I want him to be successful. And with Hard Knocks, you're starting to see kind of Aaron Rodgers. Because there was always this thought process with Aaron Rodgers. Like, he hated the Jordan Love pick. He was not helping him. I don't think that's true. I, when I see him with Zach Wilson and I see his he's called out to Jordan Love to, you know, wish him luck in his first game, taking the reins and stuff, I don't think what we thought Aaron Rodgers is is who he was. I, um... Yeah. I I don't think that there was the Jordan Love issue ever. I don't think he was ever mad at him. No. And I, I'll take that. Now, there's some other Aaron Rodgersness that will show oh, up sure. as we keep going. But like the in the first hard knocks, that one dude, the defensive lineman, said, you know, Aaron's cool as whoop. I mean, so there is something to it that everybody likes. And uh, I enjoy watching a team find itself. And 27 and nothing over the Panthers, that was a team finding itself. <laughs> Speaking of teams finding themselves, did you enjoy the fact that Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos did not look like they found themselves? Thank goodness. I, you know, after, <laughs> and it's karma, right? After Sean Payton blows up Nathaniel Hackett to the extent, like, my God, I've never seen that before. You needed to get your ass kicked. They needed to roll in and get their ass kicked because you, Payton, I know what you're trying to do. We all do. But that was uncalled for, and you paid the price. So good for you. God, what if they can't fix Russell Wilson? I th- I, you know, I don't think there's a lot of there there. I think they're going to be all right. But I, what what transpired over the weekend, I think they walked in a little cocky. So they, they got what they deserve. <laughs> See the Ravens-Eagles, Ravens 20-19. to 24 straight preseason wins for the Ravens. That's something about Harbaugh. That's, I don't know what, sure. Uh, I get it's it. It's just weird. Did, did, did you see there was a... Somebody turned a $93,000 parlay, and the, and the kicker on that game was the Eagles-Ravens. And <laughs> I saw that, and then I realized that, you know, reading the article, that, yeah, the Ravens haven't lost a preseason game in like six years, seven years. So, yeah, if you want to make some early preseason money. Now, of course, next week, it might not be quite as easy. But the Eagles then, uh, go down to the Ravens in this brand-new offense that uh, Todd Munkin has uh, brought to to Baltimore. Uh, returns are out, but we'll talk about it as we move along. Chargers take down the Rams 34-17. to um, Gardner Minshew yeah. is worth talking about there. The Chiefs uh, lose to the Saints, and really that's where I want to start before we get into the Cowboys, is the Saints. Of all the teams I saw this weekend, of all the highlight reels and packages, that first drive from the Saints and the yoked-up Derek Carr. He looked good. I'll tell you. We forget. Now, Kamara's going to miss a couple of the early games. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you said it first. Michael Thomas, um, yeah, this is a good game, so in, injury is imminent, we, we expect. But <laughs> my gosh, that's a team that no one has talked about that has looks like they've got the veteran leadership to get them at least through their division. That, it, well, A, they're going to dog walk the NFC South because the NFC South is garbage. Um, you've got Bryce Young, who, God, looks like a make-a-wish kid out there. <laughs> They're gonna have Reich, Reich has a, a some work cut out. You for gotta him. like I understand his football intelligence level, but he's got to be protected. You cannot subject him to a bunch of hits. And then when Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask is your starting quarterback battle over in Tampa Bay, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, you know, I I don't know. I'm I'm gonna hold off on this whole Baker Mayfield n- narrative that I can see coming. What's the narrative? That it's over. You're, you, that Baker's gonna be holding a clipboard for the rest of his career. Yeah, it's over. Um, y- yes. The fact that you're in a quarterback battle with Kyle Trask. He's he is what he is, mm-hmm. and that's okay. I can trust you to come win a game or two if my quarterback gets dinged. I can't trust you to leave my franchise. There are two different types of quarterbacks in this league, and mm-hmm. you are the latter of those two. So you'll be a highly paid backup for the next six, eight years, as long as you want it. And that's a good gig. And the best thing that could have happened to him, I guess, was showing up to the Rams last year with like an hour and a half of practice going and winning to win a football a game. game. That's enough to keep you in the league for the next 10 years, but to be in a quarterback battle with Kyle Trask, is really not the place I thought he, I think he expected to be. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I can take away from what I saw from that Saints Chiefs game yesterday was their defense has always been good. Mm-hmm. And he looked, re- Derek Carr looked really good in that offense. So, A, they're going to dog walk the NFC South. Mm-hmm. But I think if they play up to their potential, they could enter that conversation with the Eagles, Cowboys, and 49ers as one of the elite teams in the NFC. Because they're going to have enough wins to get them a home court. Home and field. they've got enough talent. Mm-hmm. Like, they've got talent. If Michael Thomas stays healthy and Alvin Kamara and you've got Chris Olave and, you know, Taysom Hill and Derek Carr and then that defense that has been good for years now. With Cam Jordan, like they have the ability to be an extremely good football team. I think they are right now the dark horse. I'd look at that over under if you're looking. Yeah, you're a line player. Um, Would you think this week? I mean, we had Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday football all day. Mm-hmm. It was nice to have it back. But it, it was. I didn't. I watched all of the Cowboy game, which is rare mm-hmm. for me. Normally, I can't sit through an entire preseason game, but it was on at a time early in the day that I had you know, nothing else to do, so I watched the entirety of that. I didn't watch any more than about the first series of any other game, but it was a weekend of football, which was what we'd been waiting on. And as the Cowboys started their season, the biggest worry coming in continues to be the worry, the offensive line. It just didn't look cohesive uh, there were some blocks missed and obviously it was the first game in preseason so every line's going to have a little bit of trouble but with the holes they had and the issues they were going against with a very good Jacksonville defense by the way the O-line, O-line 
Well, let's hear from McCarthy. Is he worried? Is it a point of concern? <laughs> we'll parse words. This is McCarthy on his O-line. Well, I mean, it's it's definitely a concern. I mean, just, you know, because, you know, when you look at the just the way you practice, you know, I mean, the goal is, and, and concern is not, because I, I, I don't want this going, on, going down that road. It's a focus would be a better, so scratch that. Um, it's a focus, you know, because you always would like to get to a point in camp where you, we have your five, you know, your five guys that you're, you're going to try to get connected and, and get into a rhythm and so forth. Uh, you know, we're, we're obviously not at that point. Um, you know, we have we have some veterans, we have we have some moving parts. So on the flip side of that, it does create a lot of opportunity for our young players. You know, and uh, just talking with Josh Ball before I come in here, I, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what he, you know, what. You know how his game went. He asked me how he asked me how he did. I said, "Well, I got this new gig. I'm kind of busy. sorry I didn't get to watch it tonight." But um, so uh, you know, it's it, this is this is good for us. I mean, I think it's will pay dividends in the long run. But you know, but at, at some point, you do want to get into that routine of of getting five guys working together. And they haven't reached that. That's Coach Mike McCarthy post game after the loss to Jacksonville with a 28. 28- uh, 23 in. Uh, yeah, they scored 16 straight points that first quarter. Had a turnover from Turpin. And we had two turnovers, two fumbles mm-hmm. in the day. Turpin got one poked out. Um, but the line wasn't good. And Cooper Rush, we know he's a statue. Ran for his life. Was running, plodding for his life early on. <laughs> plodding for his life. And there was, I mean, there was some movement. And I think the takeaway was we liked the tight end play. We could see where this offense is going. Though this West Coast idea, it's funny how this Texas Coast offense, that I haven't heard that mentioned in weeks. Mm-hmm. That, that died on the vine. But the offense is different. I think we can agree that it looks a little quicker. There's a little bit more pace to it, at least in that first First game, first series. The anyway. only thing I learned was don't ask McCarthy anything game-related unless it specifically has to do with the offensive play calling because that's the only thing he cares about. <laughs> As you asked Ball, uh, by the way, Ball, you're not going to want to look at your tape. Do you feel, do you feel worse? I feel, there was yes. concern coming into this. Do you feel worse about the situation coming out of game one? I'm worried about the line. Now, is it a uh, is it enough pain for Jerry to come to the table? Not yet, not yet, because they did move the ball. The defense did show they got takeaway potential. Uh, they looked good. the The scheme I thought looked good for the Cowboys, even though we didn't get to see a lot of the dudes. I, I liked the way Jabril Cox looked side to side coverage. Um, we can talk about Damone Clark and Mozzie, which we will today. I thought what I did take away from Game One is I think the good side of this was. McCarthy's got a safety net. He's got a backstop in that defense. You can take some chances. You can turn the ball over, and you're going to get it back. You're going to get, you know, in return, your defense is going to get you a ball or two a game. And you can you can be conservative and aggressive at the same time, knowing full well that their defense is going to keep you in the game. You're going to get an extra opportunity or two. So with that, am I worried? I'm worried about this offensive line, not to the extent that I think Jerry's going to make any kind of deal. Now, the preseason is certainly – about the new dudes, right? Mm-hmm. The rookies. Well, I was impressed with every one of the rookies, to be honest with you. I thought Mozzie looked good. I thought Deuce looked good. I thought uh, the Jalens looked good, both second and first year. I, I'm, yeah, Tolbert looked good. Tolbert had him a game, and uh, what the uh, rookie Alabama kid Camp. Uh, had a nice nice little break-in catch. But, or Brooks. Yeah, Brooks. But I'll tell you, I think the star of the night last night was Deuce. What did he prove to Coach McCarthy? 
Uh, just that I belong. Uh, I feel like that's the biggest thing for myself of coming in and, and proving people that, that believe in me right. And uh, it doesn't stop now. Uh, you go back to work on Monday and you get ready for the next preseason game. You can tell he was raised by a coach. It's hard to get past. And I, I think the Proved term. Proved he belong, Rob. He did. He did. I, and Joe Ryan Engel called it a gadget. Called him a gadget. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's more, he's more than a gadget. But that's really at the end of the day what he is. He's a gadget. He's a fun gadget. Okay. okay l- let's find our intermediate. He he's more than a gadget. Yeah, he's more he, than a he's gadget. He's more than that. But he's he's a one play. But he's down not twenty five carries a game. No, but I'll say this: we saw the first touchdown of what I believe will be four or five in the regular season. I think he's the kind of gadget that will pay dividends when used appropriately. But <laughs> on the other side, when you say he's I mean, no one hits him. And when he's on the field, you can tell that the defense legit can't find him. Go watch the highlights, especially that turn-the-corner run uh, late in the third, not the touchdown, Mm -hmm. where you can see the safeties legitimately trying to figure out where the hell he was. It is a strange phenomenon to watch. So instead of a gadget, Kind of like I'm going to take this off of the NFL with the NFL Plus app to where you can watch Red Zone. He's a gadget plus. I think he's going to be, yes, a very <laughs> valuable change of pace gadget. The uh, I liken him to a, a sixth man in basketball. A guy that, the sixth man that you keep that is there to get buckets. Mm-hmm. And when you put him in, you tell him, Look, man, you keep shooting until I tell you to stop. Green light. There is no red light when you're in. You get to do that, and I think you treat Deuce like that. There'll be games where his quickness will be too much for the defense, and we're going to see stuff. And then there's going to be games where the defense is such that there is nothing for Deuce. So he's Patty Mills. That would be a good analogy. I think that kind of player, and I think that's his – not his highest and best calling because when you – that's the play I'm talking about right Mm -hmm. there. It was uh, 58 was seconds to go at the end of the one. third. A second and one pop off the right guard where when they put on the back backfield view, you can tell the linebackers and the safeties had no idea where he was. They all just kind of stood still and waited for him to pop through the hole. There was no attacking a seam because they couldn't see him. But how much of that is you're dealing with backup linebackers oh, and safeties Absolutely. that don't know? Press the hole. Don't give him the hole to run through. He'll pop out and you'll hit him. I'm going to age myself, but there, back in the day, the New York Giants had a running back named Joe Morris. Mm-hmm. I remember him. And Joe was bigger, but not much bigger than Deuce. And it was the same problem. You couldn't find him. And by the time you found him, he had already found three yards. He didn't have to be huge. He wasn't a three-yard in a cloud of dust, but the outcome was the same. Mm-hmm. More than a gadget, and more importantly, he's hitting those holes, and we know what Pollard's capable of. So some of the run blocking on the, on the O-line twos and threes against their twos and threes, especially in the second half, I think when they go back and looked at the tape on Sunday morning, they were – probably happier with the second line than they were with, with, with O-line one because there was gaps. There were holes. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as RB2, Rico Dowdle, I still think holes on to it. You, 
You didn't see anything from Malik Davis? Nothing that would make him pass, make, that made him look better. I thought they looked about the same. And if Dowdle came in at two, I don't think that Malik Davis did anything to pass him. But I do think that that third down you know, gadget thing is getting more and more more and more to number 42. Well, you got Kamonte Turpin, who they're going to use in a multitude of ways, I think. But do you think so? I, I do. don't know. I, I think that there's a place for him, jet sweeping and the like, but let's not. We got enough of the wide receivers. I, I don't know where they're going to find a place for him, but we'll see. Now, Mozzie, the Cowboys' number one draft pick, used the word gumption. In an interview, which is enough for me. This is Mozzie post game. Football ain't all scheme. Football is really not about scheme at all, to be honest. Like they, they can scheme you up, but it's really all about like how hard you hitting. You know, can you, what's your will? Like what you want to do? Can you beat your opponent in a submission? You know, there's certain calls that you're gonna call. You know, in certain situations, and there's certain calls that you should be able to call the whole game and just let your players play. You know, so DQ he more. He wants us to play hard first, you know, without the scheme, without anything like that. He wants to see what we got. You know what I'm saying? It's football. That was Mozzie Smith's post It's about gumption and want to. Let me tell you, there's a combination here with Mozzie of skill, the guy can play, and attitude post-game. That's going to make him a star. We're going to love Mozzie Smith. We're going to love him. I think he is going to be exactly what the Cowboys' defense needed last year when they traded for Jonathan Hankins. And so you pair him and Hankins together on the early downs. It's going to make that run defense much more viable this year than it was in previous years. Damone Clark had a good game too. Jabril Cox looked good. So uh, as far as DQ, as we call him now, Dan Quinn's defense, they were attacking. Got a turnover too. Um, They're going to be aggressive. I don't know. I didn't see a weak part in the defense. The defense looked how I expected yes. it to look. And it was, you know, twos for the most part. But those twos played a lot like we want to see the ones. And the edge rush was there on both sides. Uh, I was, if I'm grading the Cowboys as far as that defense went, with twos and threes and individual wins, I think that the defense had a hell of a game. Yeah, I thought the defense looked exactly how I figured. I was most of my questions were on the offensive side of the ball. Jalen Tolbert answered some of those questions. He looked good. Don't Deuce forget. Vaughn answered some of those questions. He looked good. Now, good is subjective in terms of how many touches a game. The, you know, I think you can still give Deuce Vaughn, but I do believe there is a role for him on this team moving forward. Game two will be right here on San Antonio Sports Star. It's going to be a late one as they head over to Seattle to take on the Seahawks on Saturday night. Check them out live right here. At 8 o'clock broadcast begins right here on, on San Antonio Sports Star. Of course, your Dallas Cowboy coverage is always brought to you by AA Best Bail Bonds, Mother's Window, Tent Woods, Comfort Systems, Ewok Abode, and the law offices of Jesse Hernandez. Hey, coming back, it is a uh, we got a lot of sound to get to. Uh, if you were out and about and missed the Hall of Fame induction over the weekend, it was an extraordinary weekend, and we finally put t- Pop in and Tony in and Becky's in. Coming back, we're going to hear from Tony talk about his guys, Tim and Manu. He's got a gold, a gold, an orange jacket, well deserved. Tony Parker is in the Hall of Fame. We're going to hear from him next. You're on R and R, and this is ninety four one San Antonio Sports Star. 
August, appearing on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Appear on the Buyers Barricades guest line. Buyers Barricades provides traffic control, rental, and sales for San Antonio and beyond. Online at buyersbarricades.com. R in the morning on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Hey, good morning to you. This is R&R in the morning here on 94.1 San Antonio's Sports Star. He's James Pledger sitting in for Rudy, putting in the beginning of what will be a long afternoon, Sin Food. James Pledger. <laughs> How are you this morning? I'm good. Got to watch football all weekend. I was very, very content with life. A good sporting weekend. Demarvion Overshone looked good. Uh, the, the, those backup linebackers for the Cowboys, Jabril Cox, over, Overshone. Uh, did, hey, by, speaking of Longhorns looking good, did you see Roshan with the Bears? <laughs> I wanted him so badly in my Dynasty League. The, you Roshan's know, gonna be a beast. You know they talk about, and at the back of your mind, you never. For me, anyway, I always remember that guy was a quarterback when he walked into Austin. Yes. He showed up in Austin, so. You think about ways you make a team. He's going to make a team as a running back just because he's a good running back, but he'll he'll also make it because in a pinch, and we've seen it in the past, you might need a QB. At least he's taken a few snaps in college. We'll continue looking around the NFL. But this weekend for me was dominated by the Spurs closing the chapter, closing the book on the long 20-year run as Pop and Tony go in, and, and Becky Hammond, too, played a role, uh, and, and complete – the group that should be in the Hall of Fame. Now, I do believe that R.C. Buford deserves a spot in the Hall of Fame as a contributor, as a GM, as a guy who was the, the architect of this team. But that, that I, I do believe that will come in time. But Tony is finally in. Now, we, we knew that he was due, and I'm glad he went in with, with Pop. But Tony was in because he joined a group that had Tim Duncan. And getting in as a... 18-year-old Frenchman was not easy. He <laughs> talked about the beginnings of his career and his relationship with Tim. So everybody knows that, but I'm going to say it again. My rookie year, Timmy didn't talk to me my rookie year. And people think I'm crazy when I say that, but it's true. Timmy don't like French people. <laughs> okay? He doesn't like my French accent. Is it not until... I play against Gary Payton, who's one of my favorite point guards. Where's Gary Payton? Where's Gary? Gary! Love you. It's not until I play good in my rookie year against Gary Payton, finally say one word. Actually, two words. Three words. I don't remember. <laughs> Basically, we'll be all right. So, we're all good now. The little Frenchie, the little guy from Argentina, and a swimmer from the islands. Who knew? We won four championships together, and it was an honor. Won four of the five together. And Tim evidently doesn't like French people. I wonder if he talked to Boris when Boris got here. <laughs> but, you know, looking back, and, and Pop reflected on, and we're going to hear from him in a bit, talking about Tony Parker. And you got to remember, when Tony arrived, Pop had a reputation as a point guard killer. I mean, mm. for the first four years of him coaching starting when he took over. I don't know how many point guards rolled through. He even, I mean, we, we, we remember Avery Johnson, fondly Antonio Avery. Daniels. But Avery 
came in and was cut later and brought back. I mean, he was brutal with Avery, and think about how tough he was on Tony Parker. Well, remember the story that Pop called his wife right. because he knew he was going to tear into him. Well, he was going to cut him. Yeah. He was about to cut him and called his wife, say, your husband's going to have a rough weekend. That was what Tony Parker faced when he showed up. He was a point guard killer, and he had to earn it. And I think Tim had the same attitude. Now, Manu was an entirely different animal when Manu <laughs> showed up. Because Tony Parker had his own issues, finally gets himself ensconced, and here comes the Argentinian. He talked about Manu's early years. Manu. 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 Manu is unique. Manu is unique. He's the most unique player I ever played with. And he was so unique that Pop didn't even know what to do with him these first two years. It was very priceless as a point guard to see Pop's faces after some of his passes. Because with Manu, you have two passes. You have the legend one that everybody will talk about. It was unbelievable. And the one that go to the fans, to the stands, you know what I mean? Pop's favorites. It was a lot of those in the first two years. So we had a, a rough start, you know, with Manu. And a rough beginning, you know, with Argentina too. You know, the, the, actually the Argentina media. Um, they thought like I didn't like Manu. I don't pass the ball enough to Manu. But I never really understand that because Pop is the coach. It's not my fault if Pop calls all the plays for Timmy and <laughs> Timmy will take all the shots. I'm just the point guard. So I needed an ally and Manu was my ally at the beginning. He had an ally in Manu Ginobili and for those of us that went through all this there is such this grain of absolute truth that we watched in those early years and Pop looks back on how he had to change with Manu and how he had to adjust with Tony and you know that in the end I think kind of sums up this group well there's the changes but you talked about how hard he was early on in his career remember that first playoff run Jacques Vaughn took his job that's right Jock Vaughn took Tony Parker's job. Well, Tony talked about his relationship with Pop and Pop on the same. Let's play the Pop sound first. I want to hear Tony Parker. I want to hear Pop talk about this is Pop Six. Talk Six. Talk about how he coached Tony early on. With Tony, I just asked him to be perfect. <laughs> uh, and at 19, that was tough. If you could switch the social, you know situations that we have now compared to back then. If I coached him now the way I did then, I would be in handcuffs. Uh, <laughs> seriously, I would be behind bars, don't you think, Tony? <laughs> <laughs> but I have mellowed, right? He tells me I'm soft now. So I can't go back to those days. you got to change. you got to change. Pop talking about his point guard that all he asked of was perfection. I mean, that's not so much to ask. The Serbian side of Pop came out. <laughs> How hard he coached Tony. Not cussing. David Robinson asking him, look, man, I'm with you. Just no, don't no, take the Lord's name say, in vain. There it is. He didn't say he didn't cuss. He said he couldn't take the Lord's name in vain. And if that we'll was do it. that, we'll, we'll buy in. It, it was so interesting to watch the players' relationships and how they reflected on Pop. And even, you know, even the guys that didn't play for Pop talked about him over the weekend. I mean, did, did, you, did you feel bad for, like, Dirk? No, no. Or Dwayne Wade? No. Dwayne Wade was still front and center. I think he was the premier entrant. But it, it was such a Spurs-centric weekend <laughs> that while Dwayne, I think, was the star, and rightfully so, of this class. Well, think about the Spurs-centricity of everything 
sure, you had the pow, you had the pop, you had the Tony, you had the Becky, but Dirt was a longtime nemesis and roadblock for the San Antonio Spurs in the Western Conference, and then you can't tell the story of Dwayne Wade without the Heatles and the Spurs Very in 13 true. and 14. How intertwined this class was. Now, Tony had it tough. In fact, Pop reflected on when Tony first arrived. And remember, this is one of those R.C. Buford, look what I found you kind of things, where Pop literally had no idea about this cat. Well, after working him out, Pop worked him out again, and he talked about the second workout as we look for it in a second. he This was on Friday, I believe. Yeah, it was Pop Friday during his actual press conference before the Hall of Fame. And Do we have the number? It should be Pop 6. Can I tell this story? I mean, yeah, is there time? I'm kind of enjoying myself. He came in the gym for a tryout. He was 19, and... R.C. Buford, our GM at the time, he came, we brought him in together, and I, I hated him. I said, no, I don't want him. He's a weenie. Uh, he's unaggressive. He doesn't like contact, you know, and he's 19, and he, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't want to see him. So his agent at the time called R.C. and I, and he, he said, give him another shot. Let him, let him come. You Pop, you're, you're missing out. It was a bad workout. I agree with you, but don't be so harsh. I said, okay. So he came back, so the way I set it up was I brought in four thugs from San Antonio. They couldn't play dead, but they were meaner than hell. <laughs> and we did a post workout, so I put this point guard guy on the post, and we played round-robin defense on the post. He had to guard them all, and he kicked their ass. And he, he just showed me that I was totally wrong, uh, that I had totally misconstrued what I, what I saw with my own eyes, and we brought him. So he came in, and after, I think, three games or four games or five games, you guys probably know better than I do. You probably remember five games? Okay. I gave him the ball. I said, you're in charge. And I decided that because of what he'd done in that workout and what I saw in training camp, that he'd either throw him in the frying pan, he'd either come out of it, or he'd croak. But I had a pretty good notion that he'd come out of it pretty good because he really wanted to stick it to me in that second workout, which he did. And... (laughs) The rest is history. He's in the Hall of Fame. He was a great student, uh, very competitive. And what I liked the most is if, if I was on him too much, he would let me know, and I was on him a lot. But he communicated, and he's highly intelligent. And he'd say something sometimes when I knew I was unfair, and it would bring me back to where I needed to be as a coach. So he's very special to me. That is Greg Popovich talking about his point guard. The second workout made it, and the rest is history. That's so typical of Pop. You pass the test, and you're in the family. Uh, Manu reflect Manu. Tony reflected on Manu arriving, the, the kinsmanship that they felt, the Euro, the international feel. Yeah. Tony was like the first child. The first child has to go through a lot, and normally the second child gets the road a little bit easier. But Pop and Manu... Well, Pop reflected on Manu. This is his thoughts on the, the Argentinian. Relationships. Manu. Whew. Uh, like I think Tony said it took two years for us to figure it out. Was it, was it that long? <laughs> but what I learned from Manu, once he came to me one day, he says, you know, I'm moaning and groaning at him. And, Pop, 
I am Manu. This is what I do. <laughs> it's a true story, quote unquote. And at that point, I learned how to zip it and just let him play. Uh, and sometimes that's the best thing we can do as coaches is just let them play. It's so funny. It, it, in every instance, Pop would always come back to, you be you. I'll work on the you, on what you are, but just go be you. And he talked about that with Tony. He talked about that with Becky. Becky reflected on it. And Manu, the understanding that coaching is only so much, I can only take you so far. You're going to have to be who you are. And it carried him for 20 years. The, the relationship between all three was so interesting. He talked about him and Tim Duncan, and that's a storied and ongoing relationship. But hearing him from Pop one more time, it never gets old. Number seven. With Timmy, the relationship was I just wanted him once in a while to listen to what I said or just nod his head so that I knew that he heard me. I just wanted some self-satisfaction. I wanted to feel good about myself. I wanted to think that I was really coaching this team. And once in a while, he acquiesced, and he'd give me a nod. And I'm thankful for that. I really am. See, just like that. That's what he does. The legend of the carrot cake after every game. <laughs> just to get the the stoic Tim Duncan just to not just look at me for a second. Under, let me know that it's getting through. You know, as we've wondered whether he was. What do you think was his toughest coaching? His t- like his toughest person to relate to. Manu. It was Manu was everything. Pop was against when he showed up everything everything he wasn't in control at all he was if he wanted if he, he, pop once you had 100 he was playing at 103 percent it was just it was too fast and it took everything pop had to just let him on the court because it's the unforced errors it's the turnovers the things that kill coaches the things that literally at the end of the day when you wake up going you did everything but that that's why we lost he did and i think that adjustment was really the turning point with the Spurs. Now, they'd won some titles, and Tim was going to carry him. But once he realized, look, you know what? I'm not – all I am is a, a, a ship's captain. I just turn the wheel. i got to point the boat. And he learned, just point the boat. Let the guys carry you. And he said it early on. Let's, I want to hear it again. Duh. He talked about, <laughs> at the end of the day, why am I here? Duh. Thank you for your patience, but that's the first reason why I'm standing here. The second reason involves – one word, so it's going to be quick. That's great, huh? One word, and that word is duh. They're playing the walk-off music. Done. <laughs> he was getting the the Apollo hook. <laughs> I've been waiting for this a long time. I'm not done. Getting the Grammy wrap-up music. <laughs> I didn't say duh was the end. I just said there's one word to describe why I'm here, and that's duh, those guys. Did you hear the little video where I said, listen? Listening is important. (laughs) I was tasked with the job to try to create an environment so we could have some success. You know, people, you know, you've got some good players. You've got to do something. And I'm going to give myself credit. I did. You know what I did? I was there. I watched it all. 
I saw it, and I have pictures to prove that I was there while they won championships. And you can't take that away from me. Greg Popovich talking about, duh. And in every instance, he gets back to the fact that I was just here. I got to coach Tim, Tony, Manu, and we could go down the list of other stars that got him there. And he always, always unflinchingly gives them the credit. Unfl- there was no hesitation. And in my experience, we've all met geniuses. We've all met people that can do things and think in ways that just don't make sense to us. Mm-hmm. They come up with answers that just don't quite fit. But they're right, and they will last because it's genius. And genius, as defined, is something I couldn't think of. But geniuses, to look at it as common sense. Why, why didn't Everybody should think this because this is the easiest answer. That's genius. And day after day, point after point, it's reflected that Pop is genius, and he doesn't see it because it's just common sense to him. You be you. How many times, though, do we see things fail because the genius aspect of it is overtaken by somebody's hubris or ego? What a great I point. need the credit for this. Why am I not getting the credit I deserve for this? I'm smarter than everybody else in the room. I can show you that I can do it with or without this person. I mean, we've seen it fall apart so many times because of ego and hubris. And pop does a very good job of understanding. Look, I'm nowhere without everybody else. And while I played a part is a very minuscule part to the actual talent that was on the floor. He spoke to those that helped him get there, not on the court, but those around him, starting with the ownership. I've been blessed with great owners from the very beginning. Uh, Red McCombs, uh, an iconic figure, philanthropist, uh, great man, brought the team to San Antonio and uh, was a great mentor for me. Uh, He's no longer with us, uh, but the influence he had on me was tremendous. Uh, Then General Robert F. McDermott bought the team and kept it in San Antonio when everybody thought it was going to leave. David had a lot to do with it staying in San Antonio. Uh, So uh, and then then the team was bought uh, by the Holt family, our current owners. Peter Holt and Juliana Hahn Holt uh, were fantastic, and they set the tone for our culture, uh, the demands, the standards that we're still trying to live by. Uh, At this point, uh, on a day-to-day operation, they've turned it over to their children, to Peter John Holt and his sister Corinna, who uh, I'm very grateful for in the sense that they've been just as trusting as their parents. Uh, They allow us to do our jobs. Uh, We keep them informed. uh, But so far, they've sent me no out-of-bounds plays or anything like that. Uh, I'm really indebted to them. Greg Popovich talking about that ownership group, and he brought up something a little talked about part of the Spurs history is General McDermott stepping Mm -hmm. in. You know, Jimmy McDermott, formerly USAA guy, he led the San Antonio Chamber of Commerce for uh, some time, a great man in San Antonio's history that – was that stopgap? You know, he had great military presence, mm-hmm. uh, and David at the time you know, with the military presence. The, the role that they played for keeping him here in that brief point of time 
when McDermott stepped in is one of the, the Spurs history that we don't talk enough about and how important McDermott was. But at the end of the day, I'm a Spurs fan, and Pop thanked me. He did. Let's play two. <laughs> at the end of See, the day, I am a Spurs fan. Of course. And Pop looked in the camera, and he looked directly at me and thanked me. Our fans have been great, just like in every city now, I think. <laughs> what, what are you people doing here? <laughs> Who invited you? Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pretty large town, but it's a very small town atmosphere. And they think we belong to them. <laughs> and you do. And we, we kind of like it because we feel responsible to them. So thank you all. We're going to continue to try to do our best. Spurs fans, yes, Pop. I love it. You belong in, to us. In a, in a check your ego at the door mentality from, this, from Pop, Rob's like, I want to hear the thing about me. <laughs> well, at the end of the day, I was, you know, we, all the talk about behind the scenes and this and that, they're there because of us. But really, when you think of the Spurs, for those of us that have covered and worked with them for all these years, those guys that you guys might not know as fans that we've run around with for a long time, he got to thank an RC, Tom James, and Will Sevening. Listen to this. Three people that have been with me from the beginning, from my first day until tonight, right now. There are only three in the whole uh, San Antonio organization. And the first one is a person who should be standing right here. And without him, there would have been He's next. much, much less success. And that's R.C. Buford. <laughs> P.J. is angry because I didn't say his name. <laughs> <laughs> P.J. Carly uh, Samoa, you. if you're curious. Uh, the second one is Will Sevening, simply trainer of the century. And, and our PR director, b- believe it or not, from then until now, Tom James. Who, he, had, he has the unenviable task of muzzling me uh, when I get on one of my soapbox deals here and there. Uh, he counsels me and tries to hold me back and tells me how much trouble I'm going to be in. Uh, but he, he's, a, he's a special guy. Greg Popovich reflecting on the four horsemen that got there together. Tom, Pop, R.C., and Will Sevening, the trainer. <laughs> These many years later, they are still riding together. Different offices. Some guys have moved up a bit. R.C. overall at SSNE and Tom James. Kind of letting some of his younger guys take over a little bit more mm-hmm. as everybody's gotten a little bit long in the tooth. And Will Sevening still keeping everybody healthy. What a great weekend it was. We'll continue to reflect on Pop and Tony going in. Becky Hammond had words that will require Kleenex. You're going to hear that in the next hour. But as that was going on, so were the Cowboys starting their season. They took on Jacksonville on Saturday night. We hope you heard it live right here on San Antonio's Sports Star. Cowboys lost, but did they find some answers? Is RB2 answered? QB2? And what are we going to do with a deuce? Cowboy talk coming your direction. McCarthy going to tell you the plans. Hold on tight. More to come. This is R&R, and you're on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. It's 0600. What's the O stand for? Oh, my God, it's early. Wake me up. Wake me up. Wake 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 up. Wake
Rob Thompson. Ginobili the other way in transition to the left. Oh. Oh. I want some rafting. Rudy J. Cowboys win. How else would you settle this game? How about this, each day as if it were on purpose. I wake up in the morning, I piss excellent. R&R in the morning on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Good morning. Hey, good morning to you. <laughs> that is James Pledger. He's sitting in for Rudy J, who's taking the day. Send food to James. He's going to be here till the sun sets, I think. Re- recovering, uh, Rudy J's recovering from a say. Yeah, lovely night last night. Happy birthday, Tati. We had a fun time celebrating. Uh, it was a uh, it was a big weekend, of course. We're, we're going to continue talking Hall of Fame, and listen, we'll hear from Pop and Tony and Manu and. And, uh, well, everybody that was involved up there. Uh, Dallas Cowboys go down to Jacksonville 28-23. Did you guys uh, catch the tweet from Anwar Richard? A- Anwar Richardson of OrangeBloods.com. I saw this come around, I guess this was Saturday afternoon, Saturday night. Uh, yeah, August 12th. Yeah. So, according to his sources, Texas fr- uh, true freshman quarterback Arch Manning looked incredible during Saturday's scrimmage. He scored on a 70-yard touchdown run on an improvised play. He was also incredibly accurate throughout the day, and he I'm told he looked better than any other backup quarterback. That I mean better back, like better than yours. Is that or backup quarterback. So better than Malik uh Malik Murphy. But not Here here's my Doesn't question. Doesn't say that, Texas but fan. we this comes on the heels of a report from ESPN over the weekend that says there's an opposing Big 12 defensive coordinator that believes redshirt freshman Arch Manning could still unseat Quinn Ewers. Is that your worst nightmare or your the best possible scenario? If he Texas takes fans? it, he takes it. I don't care. I don't want it given to him, but if he earns it and goes out and takes it, I have zero issues or qualms with that. Because it is... This year, there's a what I saw, thirty four percent shot mm-hmm. at getting into the playoff, and there are weapons all around for whoever the quarterback is. When you talk about Xavier Worthy or Jordan Whittington, Jazante Cook, Isaiah Nayor, like they've got weapons. So. Can- it's as good as it can be for a redshirt true freshman. Because my sense for a lot for a of people, well, for a lot of people, I think you're looking at this season as kind of the precursor to the next. That this year's year should be a prep for next. But the fact of the matter is, this it's seems not. good enough to get to the playoff. Yeah, like now, it's not. Can Arts take him? Maybe. Do I don't you, think you know until you know. Do you want him to take you? Is a better question. I want to go. So then, and I want whoever's the best for that to be the lead. Now, I've seen Ewers, and Ewers looked pretty good against Alabama before he got hurt, and then I don't think he looked the same the rest of the year after he got hurt. If he's healthy, I do believe Quinn Ewers is a really good quarterback that can take you where you need to go. But if you're outplayed by a freshman, I mean... If you're outplayed, it, it just shows where that freshman is. Can because everybody knows that if you're going to start with someone like that, they've gone above and beyond to supplant. You know, you've got this as the, as the text is obviously everybody's pointing to week two. 
Bama. Bama. And both teams come into it. In Tuscaloosa. With quarterback questions, both of them. Now, different kinds of questions. I mean, Alabama probably start that Notre Dame transfer, but I don't think he's going to be the guy that's going to be the starter all year long. And I get the sense that Texas might be the same way. Whoever starts the season might not be the starter all year long for both teams. We're not that far away. And the expectations in Austin are high this year because they believe this this may be their last chance to to – win a conference title for a while we're going to talk a lot of dallas cowboys this hour as they go down to jacksonville we're going to hear from mccarthy not only on his play calling but his uh uh defense the things that he saw he didn't see and we'll hear from uh, a couple of the rookies uh we'll, we'll get there in a bit but as we talk college football um i, I had to plug in with the uh my veterinarian underground over oh. the weekend yeah oh yeah um what are you hearing? You know, the funny thing is, everybody's expecting sophomore to get the starting gig. Wegman, but, right? Yeah, Wegman. But Max Johnson is hanging around, man. Hanging I've around. Heard everybody's really telling good me things yeah, about Max. That Max is running the offense that looks really good, spinning it. Now and, Wegman still has the arm that that Max will never have, yeah. but it, it just feels like the older leadership is at least controlling the the practices right now, and Max kind of has the lead there. And not just the older leadership, but remember, Max is a big reason that. Uh, younger Johnson tight end is even it A&M in the first place, that five-star tight end that they got as part of the greatest recruiting class ever. And we and we kept it, Max being a transfer from LSU. I don't know how many teams have ever been able to recruit and have a guy transfer to you after he beat you from another school, but that's what happened. But that and the freshman Reuben Jones. Remember the name. The okay. wide receivers are well regarded. Evan Stewart's going to be a baller. Going to play on Sunday, but you got uh, Moose and and Moose. And there's three that are going to play. But uh, freshman running back opened some eyes. A couple of carries that they're okay. saying they hadn't seen since like Darren Lewis. Kind of. How stuff. are you feeling about the season coming off last year? I am quietly optimistic, James. I really am. I think that the offense is the offense alone. If they can just score two, you know. Just a couple more points a game. They win four games last year. They were like the 124th offense in college football last year. They were putrid. But they were in a lot of the games late, and they just couldn't finish it. So if the offense just picks up a couple of points a game, then you're going to see a a significant shift. This is a nine-win team. If Petrino is who he's been throughout his entire career, Mm -hmm. that team, yeah, nine wins I think is the floor. I, it should be that good. Now I'm, I don't want. I'm, I'm still suffering from battered Aggie syndrome. Obviously, and BAS is hard to get over. Mm-hmm. But because uh, it's, it's beaten into you, very quiet. Yeah, <laughs> and, 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 yeah. That's not a. Uh, it truly is beaten into us. <laughs> but uh, the the word the talk about Arch. That's um. I, until I hear it again, I'll call it puffery. But. Uh, I I appreciate it, and I didn't know if he's capable of a seventy yard run. I didn't know that that was even part of the game. Well, that's that's the difference. They hear Manning, they think Peyton and Eli, but they this is Cooper's son, and Cooper was regarded as the most athletic Manning brother because he was a receiver, and so he is kind of the best attributes of his dad, and then the mentals of his uncles. We'll see soon enough. Hey, uh, Cowboys win, but they lose. They lose, but they win. Uh, there's some things that we took away from All right, the Rosie, explain. Yeah, I'm trying to get there. 
Uh, first and foremost, when we look at what we saw, we saw McCarthy calling plays for the first time. I liked it. I did too. I, I appreciated there was a certain rhythm that I think he found in the third quarter that you could see a rapid pace offense that we haven't seen since. Well, Garrett had a little bit of pace to his game. Moore did not. I was very critical of McCarthy taking over the plate calling most of this offseason. In try one of the preseason, I liked what I saw. And now, I'm willing to admit that. Now, he spoke post-game on uh, what they wanted to get out of the first game. Well, I don't know what they were chasing. This is what they wanted to get. Uh, as far as the overall, what I expected from the team and what it told them the expectation was, you know, you, you, you always have your first game, your first preseason game, and it's critical in that first preseason game to get the pace of operation, to establish your play style, and, and get the mechanics, the communication. I mean, it, you know, there'll be a number of things. I, I know personally i I, I got to be better – um, in, in that area, just you know, it's, it's things that go on and uh, during the course of the game. So I, I thought we got off to a, a solid start, but there, there, a lot, of, a lot of good things to, to learn from. But it, um, I, I really love the energy uh, that our young guys played with, and uh, you know, especially the young, the young bunch that got to play against their, you know, their first group there, uh, first couple series. So it's, it's just a great experience. You know, a lot of opportunity tonight, and uh, you know, but it's our starting point, and it's really true every single preseason in that first game. So um, I think we definitely hit the target as far as opportunity, you know, the results and the production and um, performance. Uh, you know, we're all about education, application, and evaluation. So we got a lot to evaluate. A lot in there. Pace, play style, that's what they were trying to uh, inflict on Jacksonville early. He's, he liked that as far as the offense went. Mm-hmm. I uh, – I did see a difference in the offense. I saw it in mm-hmm. training camp, and I saw it manifest itself. There were there's a lot of quick movement, a lot of quick action. They're getting out of they're getting on the line of scrimmage 15, 20 seconds, and letting the quarterback see things that I don't think he saw last year. And I, I like the pace of play. Now, I don't think the Cowboys are alone in concern for the offensive line because I think every team, when they saw their offensive line in game one of the preseason. It never looks good. It, you know, I, I watch the Jets, and there's a lot of talk about that offensive line and the concerns there. We Texans watched the looked Texans. Awful. They looked awful, and I, I, we could go down every game apart from the Chiefs, and even the Chiefs had a little bit of problem with that old line. Mm-hmm. So I, that's to be expected. It really is. But McCarthy talked if there was any concern for this offensive line minus Zach Martin. Well, I mean, it's it's definitely a concern. I mean, just you know, because you know, when you look at the just the way you practice, you know, I mean, the goal is, and, and concerns not, because I, 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 I don't want this going on, going down that road. It's a focus would be a better, so scratch that. Um, it's a focus, you know, because you always would like to get to a point in camp where you, we have your five, you know, your five guys that you're, you're going to try to get connected and, and get into a rhythm and so forth. Uh, you know, we're, we're obviously not at that point. Um, you know, we have, we have some veterans, we have, we have some moving parts. So on the flip side of that, it does create a lot of opportunity for our young players, you know. And uh, just talking with Josh Ball before I come in here, I, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what he, you know, what, you know, how his game went. He asked me how he asked me how he did. I said, "Well, I got this new gig. I'm kind of busy. sorry I didn't get to watch it." And I, but um, so uh, you know, it's it, this is this is good for us. I mean, I think it's will pay dividends in the long run. But you know, but at, at some point, you do want to get into that routine of of getting five guys working together. And that they did not have. Cooper Rush is a statue. We know that he is. 
You know, he is nothing new, but didn't I, look good. I just heard that uh, for fourth, fifth, sixth time, whatever it was. Um, and I just noticed something when McCarthy's talking about, "Hey, I was busy. I was don't know if you realize I was calling plays because I like to point that out, and make fun of it." Josh Ball asked him, "Like, hey, hey what'd you think?" You don't ask somebody that unless you think you did a good job. I, no, I agree with that. No, I think you're exactly right. <laughs> he was like, hey, man, did you see? I think he was excited about his play. I saw him play. I don't know how excited I was. <laughs> Which yeah, leads me. Josh Ball, before I come in here, I, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what he, you know, what, you know how his game went. He asked me how he asked me how he did. I said, well, I got this new gig. I'm kind of busy. sorry to get to watch it tonight, but um Sometimes that answer is, I don't want to give you the answer right from public. <laughs> so I'll just say I didn't see you. But I do think he's got it, like you called it, a get-out-of-jail-free card for the rest of the season. Did you see that? Nah, it's too busy calling plays. <laughs> but it, I just realized it was Josh that went up to ask him, like, hey, did you, did you see that? You always do that when you think you did something great. Like, hey, hey, did you happen to see what it did? And... McCarthy didn't want to answer. <laughs> He's nah, like, yeah, busy. I saw it. Nah, but. <laughs> he did talk about getting back on the bike, calling plays for the first time in about five years. Well, um, yeah, I, I would say a lot of it's like riding a bike because, I mean, it, it was, um, you know, it's natural. I mean, I think just like anything in this game, uh, you know, your, your, your preparation really ties to your performance. So it was fun to prepare for a game again. Um, but, you know, preseason games are a bit different. You know, you're – you're so focused on your players and your guys and, and just keeping them in friendly concepts, you know, especially with the focus of, uh, you know, of our young guys. But, yeah, it wasn't clean. You know, I got, I got a number of things that, you know, we'll talk about as a staff and, you know, so and we'll be better for it because I mean, this is our first time operating. You know, uh, personally, I'm, I'm glad I had, you know, I have a number of coaches that worked with me before. You know, I, you know, I, I, I made it and I had an old call come out of my mouth that it's, that it's not in the offense, so that was – that was fun, but uh, so, but we corrected that immediately. But uh, truck right was old strong right, so strong right come flying out of there. It, it's, but it, it actually was a big play too, so you can take that for what it's worth. But uh, no, it's um, it, it was good to get it's good to get back into it. But you know, I think I think Brian and the staff are, are, are doing a great job. If any, if anything, we probably over communicated, which is a good thing. So um, um, we'll be better next week. Coach Mike McCarthy post game after calling his first uh, offensive coordinator got job in what since 2018 when he was with the Packers, uh, you know I was paying really close attention to it. We're, I was watching as much mm-hmm. as best as I could. How did it appear? The were the plays getting in on time? Did it look like the guys were getting set? And for the most part, I was comfortable with what I saw. Pro Gamer one two three on our YouTube live feed says Dak sure had a clean game. He had the cleanest game he's going to have all year. <laughs> cheerleader, and that's worthy of discussion. And we'll talk about it in the nine o'clock hour. You know, we don't expect to see Dak. We don't, but should we? After we watched a bunch of the like, we saw Mahomes play a fair amount over the weekend. At what point does Dak need to step in? And is that offensive line the reason we might not see Dak for a bit? We're going to talk about that as we move on through the day. The questions going into the game for the Cowboys were, one, we're looking for RB2. Who's going to mm-hmm. separate himself there? How are the rookies going to perform, especially the number one draft pick in Mozzie? And we uh, heard from both. Now, um, Deuce, has has your mind changed on RB2? Uh, no. I, I think at the end of the day, it's going to be Rico Dowdle, but it doesn't matter. You think it's Rico? Yeah, I do. 
Because right. Rudy I, thinks it's Malik. And, you know, the thing, it could be either one. Mm-hmm. For me, whoever was in second place, whoever was RB2 going into the game Saturday, held on to it. I didn't see any difference between those two guys. And, and, and I, the one thing I will give McCarthy is when talking about uh, Rico Dowdle above all the other running backs, he emphasizes his pass protection. Which, well, which I think if you're going to hold that job, that's going to be a main component of it. Now, for those of you who saw the game, it was your first chance to watch 42 run around the field. And it's a unique thing to see. Let me tell you, Deuce is a different Did looking... you see it, though? I did. There's something there. Now, Deuce, playing in his first pro football game, got himself a touchdown. And I think there's more coming. Did he make himself more than a gadget? That'll Well, that'll play itself out over the next couple of weeks. But he was certainly proud of what he did. Oh, just that I belong. Uh, I feel like that's the biggest thing for myself of coming in and, and proving people that, that believe in me right. And uh, it doesn't stop now. Uh, you go back to work on Monday and you get ready for the next preseason game. That was your RB3, number 42, more than a gadget. Gadget plus. He can carry the ball. He can pick up yards in space. There is a place for him in this offense, and I think there's a place for him one down a series. I think he's going to play as much or more than RB2 just because of things that he can do that nobody else on this team can do. It's uh, things that we've never tried to do, quite frankly. He is kind of a one-on-one. There's nobody built like him in the NFL currently. People try and compare him to Darren Sproles, but... Hell, he's 20 pounds lighter than Darren Sproles was and two inches shorter. <laughs> there is a toughness to his game that I think surprises folks. But he runs extremely well and just knows almost like Le'Veon Bell how to set up his blocks. Has to. Uh, it is a thing to watch, and I think as we get closer and closer to the season, there's going to be a package, a deuce package, that is going to be effective. I'll say it here. He's going to get four touchdowns this year. Because there was no runner in the NFL like Le'Veon Bell at his time because he he was almost too patient, it seemed. And nobody else in the NFL could run the way he did because he was just very adept at setting up his blocks. I think Deuce has a similar kind of way of setting up his blocks. There's a slipperiness to him out behind his lineman. I, I agree with that. Now, as good as Deuce looked, you know, we have talked about Mozzie and what he's what he means for the future of this defense because the only real problem last year was the inability to stop the run. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, we just couldn't stop it when we had to, and the Cowboys addressed it for the first time since Russell Maryland and go get themselves number one pick overall for them in Mozzie Smith from Michigan. And I'll tell you what, he has not disappointed. This is Mozzie postgame. I like this guy. Football ain't all scheme. Football is really not about scheme at all, to be honest. Like they, they can scheme you up, but it's really all about like how hard you're hitting. You know, can you, what's your will? Like, what you want to do? Can you beat your opponent in submission? You know, there's certain calls that you're gonna call. You know, in certain situations, and there's certain calls that you should be able to call the whole game and just let your players play. You know, so DQ, he more, he wants us to play hard first. <laughs> You know, without the scheme, without anything like that, he want to see what we got. You know what I'm saying? It's football. The rookie showed. Both look good. We saw a little bit of Schoonmaker. Uh, Jalen Brooks caught him a pass. I thought this rookie class acquitted themselves quite well on Saturday night. Yeah, I 
the one thing I take away is Mozzie's smaller than I thought he was. You know, when we first walked up to him, James, you're right. He's not a tall dude by any stretch. But his his arms are as thick as your waist. He is, And because he's smaller... Pay attention. Watch him play. He uses leverage. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Aaron Donald is, has, I'm not comparing the two, but no. Aaron Donald has the same kind of build where he can get underneath your pads and just take you off the ground. There was a play in training camp where he was kind of coming around on a stunt and he ended up with Tyron Smith in front of him and he lifted Tyron off the ground with kind of an upward kind of hook shot. The likes that I didn't know you could lift and move Tyron that way. They're talking about the uh, Cowboys on uh, Get Up right now. 43 pass attempts on Saturday night against 22, 22 rush. rush attempts. <laughs> See, Run the damn ball. You know, I'm not. That is such an ESPN <laughs> thing to harp on. You told us you were going to run the ball, and it was two to one passes to run. You liar! Although the next gen sh- stats did show 2.93 average throw time. Quick out. Quick out. Extension of the run game. We're going to continue talking Dallas Cowboys. They are 0-1 in the preseason. We'll have them again next Saturday night as they head up to Seattle in the great Northwest. Of course, we'll be carrying your Cowboys all season long because that's what we do. I wanted to ask you a question mm-hmm. as we're talking about the Cowboys. with Because we're talking pain and who, who folds first when it comes to Zach Martin in the offensive line, right? Mm-hmm. Dalton Reisner, uh, former guard for the Denver Broncos, former first or second round pick out of Kansas State, I believe, uh, a few years ago, is a free agent Mm -hmm. that is available to be had. Played well in Denver when he was there. Do you bring in? Because I know the bottom of this roster is going to churn come cut deadline because the Cowboys are going to get rid of a bunch of their guys, probably some guys that are going to make rosters elsewhere, but there are going to be guys come available, especially maybe on the offensive line from other teams. And I think it's going to be very important as we get close to the the cut deadline and that there is going to be some change on this roster in a very particular spot. And I think offensive lines going to be one of those spots. I think they're going to pick up for depth. I I wouldn't be surprised to see one or two show up. I don't know. I didn't see anything individually that I felt like, oh my gosh, this guy sucks. What I felt like this was a group of guys that were not coordinated. That's what I felt like. I felt like they might have been a little bit behind the the snap count, a little bit slow off the ball on a couple occasions. There was some stunts that they missed. And quite frankly, I thought they they got outquicked on the edge. And uh, but that was the sum total of that was still, you know, there weren't a lot of sacks, there were a lot of hurries, and I feel like this offense was engineered with this offensive line in mind. I think McCarthy knows exactly what he's got, and he doesn't think he has as good a line as he's had in the past. And this ball is going to get out a lot quicker. I thought Will Greer performed adequately, if not very well, in that part of his game. What concerns you more, sacks or hurries? Hurries. Yes. Hurries. Hurries concern me because that's where bad decisions that's happen. Where, that's where Dak traditionally has had some trouble when he pats the ball in a hurry, trying to get the ball in the right place at the right time. I think that that is a much greater concern than just teaching your quarterback, hold on to the ball, go down, and we'll live for another down, where the hurries leads itself to interceptions. We're going to still talk Cowboys, but this weekend was solely 
about our San Antonio Spurs. The uh, introduction to Greg Popovich and Tony Parker and Becky Hammond, three former Spurs coaches going in, was an incredible weekend, and we're going to hear from them as we come back. Becky talked about Pop. Pop talked about his players. Tony talked about Tim not liking Frenchmen. You're not going to want to miss any of this. Spurs are in the Hall of Fame as they should be, and we have it covered wire to wire. You're going to hear from them all coming up next. This is R&R, and you're on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Don't go anywhere. I got some tickets for you. Hunter's Extravaganza is coming to San Antonio. It is the annual event for all hunters and outdoorsmen to go attend. It's at the Joe Freeman Coliseum. We're going to be sitting comfortably next to it on Friday. Come and join us. Get on the phone, 656-3776, 656-ESPN. I got a family pack to go check out the Hunter's Extravaganza. It's going on August the 18th to the 20th down at our Freeman Coliseum. We'll be down there on Friday. You can be, too. Be caller number 6 to 656-3776, 656-ESPN, and you will be at the Hunter's Extravaganda. We're back with the Spurs all over the Hall of Fame next. This is R&R. You're on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. The Jim Rome Show is coming to San Antonio. He's great. He's awesome. The guy's insane. The, the Jim Rome Show debuts this Monday at 12 noon on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. R&R in the morning on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Hey, good morning to you. Good morning. It's R&R in the morning, a Monday edition. No, that's not Rudy. That's James Pledger sitting in. Rudy will be back tomorrow. Last night was a fun time. He is uh, recovering and getting everything in order after a, a fine birthday party for his lovely daughter, a quince held. Quince. Yeah, lots of fun. See him all in his. I did. Good, I, I like that little tux he was About wearing. halfway through, he said, Hey, I got to return this tux tomorrow. Stop hugging and kissing me. <laughs> well, it's white. So. Yeah, so there was some lipstick and makeup on it. It was quite funny. <laughs> Over the weekend, the Hall of Fame induction for basketball, not just NBA, basketball went down. It was so strange. Like uh, um, Becky Hammond gets a jacket, then she's got to go to work. It's what? very strange the way that the Basketball Hall of Fame works. Well, she wasn't at the uh, pressers on Friday because she had a game that day. So normally, you know, most Hall of Famers, by the time you're getting in, you ain't got nothing else to do. Like Eric Spolstra, who was there to get Dwayne Wade in, um, supposed to be coaching in uh, somewhere off the coast of Spain, so he had to miss the game Wait. to get... Eric Spolstra is a pro basketball Hall of Famer? No, but he is a team coach for the Team USA that that's going on in the games going on in in Spain. Mm-hmm. He had to miss the game yesterday because he was in Springfield. I mean, the basketball world is going on. Oh, he didn't People, present Dwayne. No, he was just okay. there in, okay. and to help him, to be along with him, you know, to and Becky gets her jacket and then goes to work. She got to go back and coach. Well, yeah. I mean, Pops got to go back to coach. They got gigs. But it was a great weekend. And I'm not a Hall of Fame guy. Normally those things that are for other people. That shocks me. I, well, you know, it's a family thing. And when I watch a guy go into the Hall of Fame that I appreciate, it, I, I appreciate the honor. But the speech, if I didn't follow their career, didn't live in their city, a lot of times, like when we heard Pop talking about Tom James and Wilson, I don't know who these guys are. Now, for this, though, I did. And it was a very, it was like, you know, it was fam. It was everybody together. And for the most part, Where I missed. 
<laughs> it was all of that. Did you say Port Vida? Is that, is that the Spurs thing this year? We're going to hashtag well, that? It, it's been their thing for the last couple of years. It's uh, family. Yeah. Mm. For life. Port Vida. Got that right. right. It's their hashtag. Mm. Tony was, I thought, very much on his game. Tony was good. Yeah, Tony, uh, you know, Pop was spectacular and Becky was heart-wrenching. But Tony, I thought, as far as he went, brought up some things that we didn't know. Like, for the first year he was with the Spurs, Tim didn't talk to him. <laughs> but let's talk about Tony. He On Friday, in that pre-presser, yep. he talked about something that I think needs is worthy of consideration. As we welcome in Dirk, and now Tony's in, and, wow. and Powell is in, and all the Euros have come through, Tony Parker, well, he talked about 1992 Ooh. and the Dream Team. That was a David Stern uh, vision to grow the NBA, to grow basketball uh, internationally. And with the first wave with Dirk and Powell, I'll always remember when I was 10 years old, I was a little kid in Monaco, and I went to see the Dream Team play uh, against France. We lost by 50, but... Uh, <laughs> But it was a fun game to watch because it was my first time watching my hero. And uh, my hero was Michael Jordan. He's the one why I wanted to play basketball. And, uh, and that was the result of the dream team. You know, me, Dirk, Powell. And, uh, and now, you know, the basketball is in a great place. I think the we forget wave. about the impact that 92 had internationally on basketball and why we are where we are today because the manifestation isn't for 20 years you know what i mean what we saw we knew the the i mean they were rock stars it was the beatles Mm -hmm. we knew that the cultural phenomenon that it was in during the barcelona olympics but you know tony was 10 it took some time for it to manifest itself they were selling tickets and jerseys but the true effect was felt 10, 15, 20 years later for the people, for the kids. And I think Wimby falls into this. Mm-hmm. I mean, though that's the ramifications of that 92 dream team. And we're still feeling it and we'll continue to feel it. Now, Tony spoke to that. I want to switch gears because I thought that was worthy of conversation. Becky started it for me on Saturday. Becky was the one when she talked about pop and what she had done or what he had done for her. That's when things began for me as far as I'm in, this family is going in, and I better go b- grab a box of Kleenex because it's <laughs> going to be a bumpy ride. Becky talked about pop. But I was also blessed with being around people of great excellence. Pop, I'm not going to look at you. You're a man of principle and excellence. I know you weren't trying to be courageous when you hired me, but you did do something nobody else in professional sports has ever done. You display excellence, you expect excellence, and model how to become excellent in your everyday routine and how you go about your work. You spoke courage into me with a phone call as I was getting ready to coach that first summer league team in 2015. 
He said, just be you. You're going to be great. And you've texted me that? I don't even know if you know how many times you've actually texted me that. Just be you. Just be you. Just be you. And you've changed the trajectory of my life and of so many other girls and young women. Thank you. I love you. Becky Hammond on her acceptance speech talking about the coach that gave her the shot. Just be you. I'm not crying. You're crying. I'm not crying. Uh, We talked about the influence that Dream Team had. We talked about Tony learning or, you know, getting to see his superstar, but he wasn't the only one that was a part of this wave that he brought up. Dirk and Pau Gasol certainly part of that mm-hmm. early years. Dirk talked about Pop <laughs> in the situation he found himself as a maverick. And as one guy in this class, uh, we have the utmost respect for, and that's Coach Pop. Um, I will, I will never forget you. Uh, you wrote me a handwritten note when we won the championship and what you and, and your organization did uh, at my last game. I'll, I'll forever be grateful. So thank you, my friend. The love affair continued. Pau Gasol, former Spur. Well, he talked about what it took, what he took from Popoff for his long and Hall of Fame worthy career. I learned, I learned, I learned so many things about Pop. Obviously, the basketball stuff, you know, the good to great, play harder and smarter than your opponent for 48 minutes, all that good stuff is very important. But I'll never forget one of the things that he said that I will take with me, and I've taken with me, and I've applied. It was Valentine's Day, and he asked, did you guys get your significant others flowers? And some of us proudly said, yes, yes, absolutely, yes, for sure, of course. And he followed up with, well, why does it have to be Valentine's Day for you guys to give flowers to your loved ones? So I thought that was a very important message. Thank you, Bob. It's those little things <laughs> that, you know, you don't, you don't think about a guy like Pop talking, reminding you to be a good partner. You know, like flowers for Valentine's Day. That's the kind of thing that... When you hear these players speak so lovingly of them, those are the things they remember. Yeah. It has nothing to do with the X's and O's. It's about the late-night conversations over a glass of wine at a nice dinner after a game. You know, Tony, well, Pop talked about his relationship with different players from Tony to Manu and how things began. And there's one particular part where Pop's talking about how hard he was on Tony. Because for those of you who don't remember, when Pop <laughs> took over the Spurs back in the '90s, there was a it was a a rotation of point guards. They were coming and going as fast as we could remember their names and numbers. There would be another one around, and then finally, after a couple of years, Pop found himself Tony, but he was not easy on. With Tony, <laughs> I just asked him to be perfect, uh, and at 19, that was tough. If you could switch the social, you know, situations that we have now compared to back then. If I coached him now the way I did then, I would be in handcuffs. Uh, <laughs> seriously, I would be behind bars, don't you think, Tony? True. Good. <laughs> but I have mellowed, right? He tells me I'm soft now. So I can't go back to those days. you got to change. you got to change. I believe that the, the, the two-sided coin that is... 
how you coach guys. On one side, he was destroying Tony Parker back in mm-hmm. 02, just blowing him up one way or another. And on the other side, Tim Duncan got to do, you know, he got coached hard, but it was Tim's world. And Tim, Tony said, didn't even talk to him for the first year. Didn't even acknowledge him. I find that so incredibly hard to believe, but I believe it. <laughs> it's not that surprising, but we learned from Tony that Tim evidently has a problem with French people. So everybody knows that, but I'm going to say it again. My rookie year, Timmy didn't talk to me my rookie year. And people think I'm crazy when I say that, but it's true. Timmy don't like French people. Okay? He doesn't like my French accent. Is it not until I play against Gary Payton, who's one of my favorite point guards. Where's Gary Payton? Where's Gary? Gary! Love you. It's not until I play good in my rookie year against Gary Payton, finally say one word. Actually, two words. Three words. I'll remember. Basically, we'll be all right. So, we're all good now. A little Frenchie, a little guy from Argentina, and a swimmer from the islands. Who knew? Who knew? We won four championships together, and it was an honor. Tony Parker talking about the little Frenchie, how <laughs> Parker was just a guy without anything going on for a full year. Now he came in and kind of uh, he kind of smoothed a little bit uh, be, for the entrance of Manu. But Manu coming in with Pop, well, that was an entirely different thing. Tony talked about what Manu went through and his relationship Manu. with him. Manu, Manu, <laughs> Manu is unique. Manu is unique. He's the most unique player I ever played with. And he was so unique that Pop didn't even know what to do with him these first two years. It was very priceless as a point guard to see Pop's faces after some of his passes. Because with Manu, you have two passes. You have the legend one that everybody will talk about. It was unbelievable. And the one that go to the fans, to the stands, you know what I mean? <laughs> Pop's favorite. It was a lot of those in the first two years. So we had a, a rough start, you know, with Manu. And a rough beginning, you know, with Argentina too. You know, the, the, actually the Argentina media, um, they thought like I didn't like Manu. I don't pass the ball enough to Manu. But I never really understand that because Pop is the coach. It's not my fault if Pop calls all the plays for Timmy and Timmy will take all the shots. I'm just the point guard. <laughs> so I needed an ally and Manu was my ally at the beginning. Manu the ally, Timmy getting the ball, Bruce Bowen just waiting on the side trying to figure it out. Tony talked about Tim being his presenter. My presenters, uh, Tim Duncan. Uh, I started uh, start writing my speech uh, last week, and I was trying to think, uh, like, why Timmy so special? Why Timmy so special? Like, it was like I couldn't sleep, you know, why Timmy so special? And uh, at the same time, it's easy, and at the same time, it's hard. So I will start with the obvious. To me, he's the best power forward ever. That's the obvious. But me, what I know, he has a special power, superpower with his eyes. I'm going to explain. He never talked to get the ball. Never. He'll just look at me. And when you're 19 years old, coming from France, it's very scary when Tim Duncan looks at you. I play with a lot of teammates who will complain to get the ball, you know, oh, Bruce Bowen, like, oh, Tony, I'm open. Tony, I was open in the corner, you know, I'm like, but, hey, what's up, Bruce? 
But, uh, but Timmy will just look at me. And I'll go to Pop. I'm like, Pop, you give me the look. And then Pop will be like, he really look at you? I was like, yeah. If, if you want a point guard tomorrow, we need to call a play for him right now. And so that's why, to me, Timmy is special, and he's one of my presenters. Parker was uh, presented by, you have to be a Hall of Famer to present one in. And Pop was talked about those that presented him as well because, you know, he waited a long time. He chose to come in now when he could have come in a while back. Again, Pop talked about those that presented him. Let's play four. Thank you for your patience, but that's the first reason why I'm standing here. The second reason involves one word, so it's going to be quick. That's great, huh? One word, and that word is duh. All right, let's get him off stage. <laughs> Time to go, Pop. I'm not done. I've been waiting for this a long time. I'm not done. I didn't say duh was the end. I just said there's one word to describe why I'm here. And that's duh, those guys. Did you hear the little video where I said, listen? Listening is important. I was tasked with the job to try to create an environment so we could have some success. You know, people, you know, you've got some good players. You've got to do something. And I'm going to give myself credit. I did. You know what I did? I was there. <laughs> I watched it all. I saw it, and I have pictures to prove that I was there while they won championships. And you can't take that away from me. No, you can't. He was there. We have proof. We have photos. I'll never – I'm as he speaks, and you get, you get the sense that the love that was poured – for him from mm -hmm. all the NBA. And I don't think he's comfortable with it for sure. But, you know, at the end of the day, the relationships that he formed that we all form in our work, in our careers, what is the most important. And Pop talked about the relationships. So uh, my final message is just the wins and losses are all crap. The highs and lows are all crap. It's illusory. It's, it's, it doesn't really exist. What exists is seeing these guys and their kids those relationships with your assistant coaches, everybody else you're with, your colleagues, your friends, because that's what you take with you as you move along. All those wins or losses, they fade away. They fade away. But those relationships stick with you forever, and that's where the self-esteem and the self-satisfaction comes. And we live in challenging times. I'm not going to go into it. Uh, but the times we live in require, they require that we relate with each other a whole lot better than we do right now. See? You don't have five titles. They don't exist, Rob. Well, if we counted them, he's got five, and we count the wins. He's got the most. It's easy to say that when you have that, but he is certainly. <laughs> um, I think that summed it up. You know, it was uh, it was fun this weekend. It was uh, it kind of peeled back some emotions I didn't expect I would have. I thought that I had said goodbye to that era. See, I figured every Spurs fan because this did feel like the official closing of the book. I. I really thought, especially with Becky and Powell and where they were, especially towards the end of the ch that chapter of the Spurs, and then Tony and Pop kind of headlining that going in with 
you knew Tim was going to be there. You knew David was going to be there. You knew Manu was going to be there. It just felt like the perfect ending to where I thought every Spurs fan was going to feel some sort of way at the end of this weekend. Uh, Certainly proud, but a lot of tears as they, all of them, reflected back on so many of the things that we've lived through. In the next hour, coming back on the other side at 9 o'clock, we're going to hear from Pop talking about the deal that he made with David Robinson (laughs) early on that was the springboard for where they went. Because first, there was David. Yep. And the deal had to be struck because remember how Pop took over and how he got there, and David either injured or not, that will go down in legend. You know, it's weird because we, we think about how time just kind of sneaks up on you, right? And now we've, blunk, we've blinked, and all of the big three and Pop are now in the Hall of Fame together. Mm. And think about the fact that this summer, when the NBA Finals come, it will be 2024, a full decade since the last championship. Mm-hmm. And the rebuild has begun in full. And as the Spurs have pointed their direction, certainly things look brighter. In Philadelphia, have you seen, have you heard? My good God, what is going on with James Harden and Daryl Morey? I thought they were boys. What happened up there? The quote, Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. That's the disgruntled, the formerly gruntled. Daryl, I mean, James Harden is upset at Philly. And what a strange time to get pissed. Now? You weren't mad six weeks ago when this might have played a role in what was going on? But now? I'm so glad he is not Houston's problem anymore, and we just got a bunch of draft picks from Brooklyn for the next decade. Forever. Uh, (laughs) We will continue looking at the NBA, but through the focus of an orange jacket as the Hall of Fame presentation went on, and you're going to hear in the next hour from Pecky, from Tony, from Pop, from Dirk, from Powell, from all those that were involved in what was a spectacular Hall of Fame weekend, but the newsworthy part of the weekend was football, baby. As the Cowboys went to work, what did we see in the loss? They go down, but there was stuff to be proud of. We had McCarthy calling plays. We had a five foot two dude score a touchdown and all kinds of hijinks in between. We'll be right back talking Cowboys. This is R and R and you're on ninety four one San Antonio Sports Store. It's 0600. What's the O stand for? Oh my God, it's early. Wake me up. Wake me up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake me up. Wake me up. Wake up. Rob Thompson. You don't believe the other way in transition to the back. Oh, with a left hand oh. slam. I want some nasty. Rudy J. Cowboys win. How else would you settle this game? How about this, Cowboys? Yeah. each day as if it were on purpose. I wake up in the morning, I piss excellent. R&R in the morning on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Good morning! Hey, good morning to you. Good morning, Rob. That's James Fledger. I'm Rob Thompson. R&J in the morning. No, Rudy, today he is taking a well-deserved day off. We'll return tomorrow in full force. Going to be a good week here on San Antonio Sports Star. Come out and join us at the Hunter's Extravaganza on Friday. It'll be going on all weekend long down there at the Joe Freeman Coliseum. If you're a hunter, you're an outdoorsman. You got to go. If you got kids, you got to go. And we got the tickets all week long. Keep listening. You can go for free. 
to the Hunter's Extravaganza, one of my favorite things of the year. We've been talking uh, Cowboys preseason game one. We're going to continue looking at that. The Hall of Fame weekend uh, for Pop and Tony and Becky was spectacular. Lots of sound there. But before we go anywhere, news of the day. James Harden, a couple hours ago, standing in China, really lobbed a hand grenade into the Philadelphia 76ers near future as he told, well, let's listen to this. This is sound straight uh, from China. Okay. That was that's James Harden acting like a high school principal speaking over the loudspeaker. We're gonna we'll uh, translate for you. Uh, he says, Daryl Moore. Daryl Moore is a liar. And I will never play for an organization that he's a part of again. Let me reiterate. <laughs> he said it twice. <laughs> he said, for those of you in the back that couldn't hear me, Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never play for an organization that he runs again. This There are so many angles to this crazy story coming out. First and foremost, uh, the relationship between James Harden and Daryl Morey goes back a decade, man. These guys have been together since he traded Daryl Morey traded for him out of Houston. And James, you're mm-hmm. a Rocket fan. You know exactly what Daryl Morey did. Yeah, he identified the sixth man in James Harden and said, I can make this dude because of the metrics. And if you extrapolate his minutes over 48 instead of 30 or whatever he was playing, that this dude will average this in points, assists, blah, blah, blah. It was the first kind of metrics of extrapolating out his minutes to equal the talent. And he saw it, and he traded like he was trading for a star and giving up picks, Gave signed him to a, a max deal, and said, prove me right, and he did. And then he got a super max. <laughs> and then he brought him back when he made a terrible choice in, to go to Brooklyn. I mean, yeah. he's done. Well, he acquiesced to his Brooklyn desires. He's done everything he's ever wanted him to do. And here we sit, six weeks away from training camp, after the trade deadline has, uh, the free agency period has come and gone. And now what? Terrence Mann is the only thing standing in the way. <laughs> Reports are that is what is holding up the Clippers Sixers trade is the Clippers' unwillingness to put Terrence Mann into the steal. So this is going to this is a, a huge bit of news that does have legs, as they say in the business. I don't know what they're going to do here. It's, I, that that is vitriol. That is hate. We're going to see. Well, there's some other angles to this. Remember, James is in China. The Chinese don't really like Daryl Morey. Go back a couple of years when the unrest in Hong Kong was going on, when mm-hmm. the uh, Umbrella Army or whatever they were calling themselves were, you know, protesting the imminent uh, return to uh, Chinese rule for Hong Kong. And Daryl Morey tweeted out some negative things regarding China, and the Chinese lost their minds. They stopped broadcasting NBA games, and mm-hmm. for about six weeks, well, more than that, about three, four months, the relationship between the NBA and China was rocky. And keep in mind the billions. Uh, that are going to be involved with the NBA or basketball and the Chinese. And they kind of got that smoothed over. So I don't think it's any surprise that you heard the Chinese fans clapping wholeheartedly when one of the one of us downplays what Daryl Morey means. 
to the league. Yikes. <laughs> Interesting news for uh, Philadelphia, and we'll keep you tracked as all things uh, continue to turn. But the news of the day today, well, we're coming off of a Dallas Cowboys first uh, preseason game. It wasn't an offensive explosion, but there was some movement. Um, Cooper Rush got the start. Will Greer played a bit more, and I thought looked better. I thought Will Greer looked like a better quarterback in this offense, and I say that knowing full well that I understand that uh, uh, football's a meritocracy, and uh, Cooper Rush has earned the right to be RB to be QB two. He has. has. He? I do. See, football's a meritocracy. He? He, the merit that he offered was four and one. The dude, when called upon, answered the call. Yes, they were four and one, but they were four and one largely because of the defense and the run game. It wasn't anything that Cooper Rush did or didn't do. Yeah, but that's like saying a coach rolls out the ball and everybody goes and plays. I mean, I will give him the credit. At least they rallied around him. I will say this though: Will Greer's a better quarterback for this system. Yes, and remember going into that preseason last year. Y'all all thought coming out of Oxnard, Will Greer was the better quarterback. We did. Uh, then he got hurt, and Cooper Rush got the job by default. Now, the one difference, and this I don't know if this plays into Will Greer's game or not, Cooper Rush has a better arm. Cooper Rush has a stronger, more 10-yard-out NFL arm. He's got, I wouldn't call it a cannon, but certainly much stronger than Will. But Will is more of your prototypical West Coast offense kind of a guy. Mm-hmm. Good touch on the edges, good movement, got a little bit more movement, at least between the hash marks. He ain't going to run away from anybody, but you just get the sense that Will... He's got fl- wiggle. Yeah, it floats a little bit better in the pocket than Cooper Rush. But I'll say it again, Cooper Rush earned it last year, and on that matter, he gets to keep it until proven otherwise. It would be very difficult for me as McCarthy... To tell Cooper Rush he hadn't earned that gig. We we kept him around. We had opportunity to let him go. He stayed. Um, but Will Greer was better. But, and I, and I bring up this but because we're dealing with what we're dealing with. You got to pay CD. You got to pay probably Zach Martin. You got to pay Micah. We've heard of all, we've heard it all from Jerry. Do you want to pay your backup that kind of money? At quarterback, or do you feel comfortable enough with Will Greer that you can free up a little extra cash? Last year changed my life. Changed my attitude. I used to say, if your backup quarterback is playing more than two games, what's the point? It's already over anyway. Changed my mind. I now am a believer yet. You got it. For a team like the Cowboys, for teams that have February aspirations, you better have a quarterback that you can trust will win three, four games. And they've got one. Even though it feels like the guy behind him might be better and more appropriate, they've got a quarterback with a proven track record. Now, my hook might be a little bit fast, might be kind of like Ahmad Rashad with Pop as soon as I get a little worried if Cooper's in there. But I'm not sure if Will Greer can do enough over the next three games, four games, to get himself to QB2. But I I will say this, too, though. Cooper Rush excelled in Kellen Moore's offense. Mm-hmm. This is a different offense. This is a different system. There are similar aspects at times, but they're doing things differently. And maybe Will Greer is a better fit for what Mike McCarthy wants to do offensively, and he is closer to that of the skill set of Dak Prescott than is Cooper Rush. I'll I'll take that. I agree with you 100%. And that's the only way Will Greer gets that gig. And you you can free up money by doing that. And we know money's a big issue right now. But can you imagine? That's not enough in there to make a difference for the contracts we're talking about, though. I just, 
as a coach, there you you, you want to put the best guys. We'll say it again. It's a meritocracy. But you see, football is a meritocracy. <laughs> the eye test, at least on Saturday night, was Will Greer at this moment has a better grasp of this offense. Now, some of it might have been the offensive line that Cooper Rush was dealing with. It was twos on ones, kind of. I mean, mm-hmm. we didn't have uh, – what was our starting line? It was the bunch of dudes. Well, you had Josh Ball, uh-huh. who uh- was very excited to have Mike McCarthy tell him what he thought of his performance. Before we McCarthy. had Let's Go and Ball and – all the backups, for the most part. Well, it's everybody that they've been praising for two years. Didn't look good. <laughs> it didn't. It did not look good. It looked, I'm aware. But I don't know how I quantify how bad it looked. Because there was no starters. We still didn't have Zach. And because I can't quantify it, I can't tell if it was horrible or just matchups or what. I don't think Zach Martin's any better off today than he was on Saturday afternoon before the game. I don't think that the Cowboys are waiting till 10 o'clock Eastern time to call his agent to whoever it is saying, that scared the fool out of us. How much did you want again? I don't think we're there, and I don't think it was bad enough to spur the movement. Here's my massive concern. We know how good Terrence Steele is. We know how good Tyler Biotish is. Mm -hmm. Both of them are, are about ready to get paid. But we only know how good each of them are because they've always played next to Zach Martin. The one time I didn't see Zach Martin, the one year he got hurt Mm. in 2020 was the year the offensive line was a sieve. And that was the year that Terrence Steele was an undrafted rookie who was thrown into the fire that looked abysmal. Was this abysmal? It wasn't good. Well, it wasn't bad. I mean, it wasn't awful. Is what I, it wasn't. It was bad. It was bad. It wasn't awful. It was bad, not awful. What are, what are the numbers we're looking at? Total 32 of 43 for both quarterbacks. Total passing at 246, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was 2-1 to one pass to run. Mm-hmm. And they almost had 100 yards rushing regardless as well, a team. Let's Before we hear from... What McCarthy expected out of the game on Saturday night, what did you expect the Cowboys would get out of the game on Saturday night? What I expect? Mm-hmm. I got a, I got what I expected, I think. I, I saw Zach uh, Jake Ferguson look like he is TE1. He did. Jake Ferguson looks like TE1. I've heard a lot of things about Deuce and Tolbert in camp. And I wanted to see if it translated into a game because running back is the most difficult position to gauge in training camp and practice because they don't tackle to the ground. If they get a hand on you, they let you go. There's no real stopping the run. So running backs can look as good as they want in training camp. Until there is actually to the ground tackling, I cannot trust anything from a running back, which is why preseason is important to me in terms of evaluating running backs. He looked the part. And then I've been hearing a lot about Jalen Tolbert, and I I wanted to see it for myself. Big guy, right? Jalen Tolbert looked good. good. 
He is living up to expectations. Um, Those were the things I wanted to check off from watching outside of the offensive line play. This is what McCarthy wanted to get out of the first preseason game. Uh, as far as the overall, what I expected from the team and what it told him the expectation was, you know, you, you, you always have your first game, your first preseason game, and it's critical in that first preseason game to get the pace of operation, to establish your play style, and, and get the mechanics, the communication. I mean, it, you know, there'll be a number of things. I, I know personally i I, I got to be better um, in, in that area, just, you know, it's, it's things that go on and uh, during the course of the game. So I, I thought we got off to a – a solid start, but there's there, there a lot, a lot of good things to, to learn from. But um, I, I really love the energy uh, that our young guys played with, and uh, you know, especially the young, the young bunch that got to play against their, you know, their first group there, uh, first couple series. So it's, it's just a great experience, you know, a lot of opportunity tonight, and uh, you know, but it's our starting point, and it's really true every single preseason in that first game. So um, I think we definitely hit the target as far as opportunity. You know, the results and the production and um, performance, you know, we're all about education, application, and evaluation. So we got a lot to evaluate. Lots of keywords there. Uh, Mike McCarthy post game. He talked pace, play style, and communication. Those were the three things that he was looking for. Let's grade him individually there. I liked the pace of offense. Mm-hmm. I did. I think that they were, the plays got in. There might have been one or two, or there might have been a slow point, but I felt like. This offense was on the line of scrimmage, ready to go, with about, on average, about eight to ten seconds left in the play clock, which is the sweet spot. It gives Dak the time, and it's not too much time. It's just enough to go if they can continue that. The uh, play style, hey, I'm, I'm feeling it too. I can see this d- offense is different. Not markedly different, but you can tell by the pass routes. You can tell by the checkdowns, at least from the backups, that this offense is more about rep- speed, um, they're gonna. They're, mm-hmm. they're, this is a uh, a rapid pace kind of style. You can tell that McCarthy wants to keep defenses on their heels and keep the decision making for Dak to a minimum. One two three go. One two three go. One two three go. And that I saw. Look, ever since Mike initiated it, Mike initiated. I have been very critical of him, and the offense looked crisp. It looked under control. There was an obvious plan in place in terms of how they were going to run this offense. And it wasn't about run pass distribution or, as he said, running the damn football. It was about how quickly the ball gets out, whether it's running, throwing, doesn't matter. There was an under three second hold on to the ball, get the ball out of your hands, average time of delivery for the quarterbacks and that's Cooper Rush and Will Will Greer. It'll be even faster with Dak Prescott who just he processes faster. There's we were, a reason he's the starting quarterback. And we were worried about this offensive line even with Zach Martin. Let's be real. This is an offensive no. line. We were. No. Once we looked at the numbers. No. This was an offensive line that I think has been propped up and a little bit better than we thought. Oh, I can't go with that. I'm looking at Zach Martin, mm-hmm. Terrence Steele, who we thought is about to get paid, Tyler Biotish, who has helped us forget about uh, about Travis tra- uh, Travis Frederick's just abrupt retirement due to Guillain-Barre syndrome. You had Tyler Smith, who came in, and while there was questions coming into his rookie year, those were all erased at the end of his rookie year. And everybody knows Tyron Smith's a walking gold jacket when healthy. No, like keep, this line left to right 
is solid if they are all healthy. If they are all healthy. Yes. And that has been the concern over the last four years. And I think McCarthy looked at this, looked at the offense that Kellen Moore was trying to be a little bit more than they were and realized that this line will be the Achilles heel of this offense. If this team falls apart, it will be because either injury or this offensive line cannot get themselves coordinated. Well, and, if they can't get themselves coordinated, I think it's because of injury. And here, because I, I listed off the starters and everyone to a man everybody thinks is a top five offensive line in this league. Now, the question becomes, if you have to insert a Josh Ball or a Matt oh. Walesko or you know insert name on second and third string, that's where you start to get worried. And now with no Chuma Doga to even bring a little bit of depth of someone who started in the league before, there is huge concern on the anything going wrong on this offensive line. Mike talked about his on, on his line and how concerned he is. Well, I mean, it's it's definitely a concern. I mean, just, you know, because, you know. No, definitely wait, a not concern. a concern. No, wait. no it's definitely practice, a concern. You know, I mean, the goal is, and, and concern is not, because I, 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 I don't want this going, on, going down that road. It's a focus would be a better, so scratch that. Um, it's a focus, you know, because you always would like to get to a point in camp where you, we have your five you know, your five guys that you're going to try to get connected and, and get into a rhythm and so forth. Uh, you know, we're, we're obviously not at that point. Um, you know, we have, we have some veterans. We have, we have some moving parts. So on the flip side of that, it does create a lot of opportunity for our young players. You know, and uh, just talking with Josh Ball before I come in here, I, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what he, you know, what, you know how his game went. He asked me how he asked me how he did. I said, well, I got this new gig. I'm kind of busy. sorry to get to watch it tonight. But um, so, uh, you know, it's. It, this is this is good for us. I mean, I think this will pay dividends in the long run. But you know, but at, at some point, you do want to get into that routine of, of getting five guys working together. At some point, the coach Mike McCarthy talking about his offensive line. Would you rather, you know, there's that, uh, the flowery speech. You can it could either be a, a, you could either call a, a a concern or a problem. You could call them areas of opportunity, or focus. Would you rather call the offensive line? Is this an area of opportunity for improvement? Or is it a line that that is worthy of some focus? Or is there indeed a problem? Panic button. I'm not there yet. I'm there. I, I'm there because <laughs> you noticed it was about 15 seconds in before he realized what he said when he said, yeah, it's an area of concern. Hold on. Wait a minute. I don't mean concern because that's going to turn into a whole narrative. It is an opportunity for the people that are there. No. It's been an opportunity for the people who are there. Those people have not stepped up. It is still an issue, and you yourself are now concerned about what is there. Keep an eye on waivers after final cuts and players that are still out there like Dalton Reisner who are established starters in the league. Why would you spend money on a Dalton Reisner? Why when, wouldn't you? When you can go spend the money on Zach Martin. Go spend the money on Zach Martin then. That's where I understand chasing depth, and I do believe that this week they're going to be probably two offensive linemen show up from other camps or other practice squads or whatever it might be. There's going to be an addition. Yeah, you talked in your sports center. The, the Texans added some wide receivers. I didn't think they even needed any, but they added a couple just for maybe camp depth. I think what that is, it is A, a camp arm, B, they sign people for their final preseason game. And there you go. And I think that the Cowboys will use that as cover. 
you know, I, but I do expect offensive linemen to arrive because it, without hesitation, I, we know two things that the depth is going to be an issue and they haven't, they're not coordinated yet because quite frankly, there have been some guys playing some different positions and it's going to mm-hmm. take a while. And I think more bodies are coming, but I'm not ready to go. I don't think they reached the point of pain where there oh, is no. the panic where you are. I'm not there yet. I've got a question for you. Uh-huh. Across the NFL, what do you think the window for Super Bowl opportunities are? How big, how wide, how long? I think you like for the Cowboys or in general. I think in most general. in general I think most teams have a 3-year quarterback uh, uh, Super Bowl window. So, razor thin. <laughs> At least, yeah. Would you say the Cowboys have a window of opportunity right now with the way the NFC stacks up versus how their team yeah. is built, especially on defense? But I think they're in the middle of this window. I don't think this the window's closing. I think that the, the problem is in the NFL, the windows close in an instant. Yeah, but you this don't is realize they're closed until they've already closed. Yeah, I agree. So that. you got to capitalize on it while you've got the opportunity. And if depth at offensive line is your concern. Why would you not address that depth to maximize your opportunity for this window in this instant? Well, we heard McCarthy say that this is an opportunity. It's a you know, it's a uh, not a con- it's not a concern. It's an area of focus. <laughs> but he did say that one of the benefits of this is he gets all the young guys are getting a lot of reps. Now that's one of those we've been blessed with a bunch of adversity, and we've been forced to do things we didn't want to do, as a Eric Spolstra would say. But I do get the fact when McCarthy's looking at the bright side of this is we got a lot of dudes playing, and it could have been worse. It could have been worse because when we had our threes in, the best offensive quarter we had was the third quarter, and that's when we had the the third stringers in. So you're saying your best offensive quarter was against another team's threes. Well, it's my threes, too, and what I'm talking about is that it shows me at the very least I got a little bit of depth. At the very least, if somebody were to go down, when Tyron does get hurt, we start shuffling offensive line. If Tyler's not ready yet, if Steele can't get in, I do feel a little bit more comfortable that, well, let's go and ball and those dudes can a little bit of help. Now, devil's advocate to that is... Were they good because they had gotten some continuity, or were they good because they were playing against guys who aren't going to be on an NFL roster at the at the next two weeks? Great question, and that will be answered on Saturday night, a game you're going to catch live right here on San Antonio Sports Star as they take on the uh, Seattle Seahawks. Uh, they had a successful beginning to their season over the weekend. They ran the ball quite well. We're going to see if this defense can move that way, and Geno's got some wide receivers. The defense will be tested. We'll see if that offensive line can hold back the uh, front seven of the Seahawks on Saturday game you'll catch again live right here. Now McCarthy did talk about his offensive line. He talked about uh, the movement and calling plays, but the, one of the other questions we were really chasing coming in mm-hmm. was RB2, RB3, of course the deuce question will can, will be a part of the, the entirety of the preseason. Aren't those just kind of puffery questions though, like the deuce thing, uh, RB2? Like those are the things in the background that are taking the the headlines because you know Deuce is five foot five and one seventy six, so it, it lends itself to being a really good feel good story. I think there's something to it, but I'm not sure. Even after watching Deuce, he might be the RB two. I don't know. Seems like a gadget to me. Uh, Deuce talked about his uh, first game in the NFL. 
Oh, just that I belong. Uh, I feel like that's the biggest thing for myself of coming in and, and proving people that, that believe in me right. And uh, it doesn't stop now. Uh, you go back to work on Monday and you get ready for the next preseason game. Deuce Vaughn talking about game one. Got him a touchdown, led the team in rushing and probably total yards with receptions in there. Got sticky hands. He looked good. Great in the screen. And on there was a, a the last minute of the third quarter was in the midst of the best drive the Cowboys had all night long. Deuce got the ball, ran off right guard. And when they showed the replay of what was his longest run of the night, you could see the safeties frozen. They didn't know where he was. Mm -hmm. They saw the handoff happen. He took one little cut and was squirt through the hole. And everybody on the defense was stuck standing because they had to try to find the dude with the ball. That's going to be a consistent thing all year long. There's a place for Deuce to get six, eight, nine plays a game. Yes. One or two plays a series when the when the time is right. And that might be enough for RB2. That might be enough. Isn't that kind of what you want out of your yes, RB2? exactly Just what I want. Just to take a handful of carries? Isn't that what we've wanted out of RB2 for the past couple of years, uh, Zeke Elliott? And, but instead they tried to go 50-50 with it? But with this comes a certain amount of nuance. With this comes some experience that you have to have as a play caller and a play designer. This is where Shoddy comes in behind the scenes. This is where McCarthy's long and extensive offensive coordinator and play designing comes in because you're going to be the plays that you design for Deuce Vaughn to be successful are not the plays you're going to design for other backs to be successful. They're just. You're not going to give it to him off guard every third and four. It's just not going to happen. That doesn't mean he can't pick up a first down at third and four, but it won't be the way that you expect. Though he did his best to prove, like he said when he was drafted, I can run between the tackles. Mm -hmm. I was good in, at the Big 12. Look at the best teams I played against. I ripped them up, and last night it showed a few things. But we'll have more film, and it'll be a little bit more difficult. It'll more be more difficult, and it'll be difficult, more difficult the better quality he goes against throughout the year, obviously. Uh, when he starts playing against ones, he's not always going to be playing against twos and threes. Um, but he, by far, to me, looked like the best back on the field on sa on Saturday. How do you grade running backs? At the end of the day... The best Cowboys back, sorry. I, I mean, Tank Bisbee looked like the best back. For me, when I look at a running back, whatever team, whatever player, if he is a running back and not a fullback, does the first guy... Always miss. And yeah, and my my big key is: can you make a man miss in the hole? And <laughs> both Deuce and Pollard have that. The first they got uh, wiggle in the hole. I mean, they the first guy misses, and when that's the first and foremost thing. Now, there's a lot of running backs. The first guy makes the hit, and they just run through it. The Derrick Henrys, but Zeke, <laughs> Zeke was that way too. He wasn't going to be elusive. He was just going to run through you. But for Pollard and Deuce, both the first guy nine out of ten times misses and that's another two yards that's as good as another 50 pounds of weight for me when you're dealing with deuce well here we sit at the end of what was a tremendous hall of fame weekend and the words man they brought tears all the way around coming back we're going to hear becky hammond talk about the man that put her in the position we were we're going to hear from pop who was the overseer of what was a remarkable 20-year run which we turn the page close the book and officially move on after this weekend great words great weekend in springfield you're going to hear it all coming up next as we look at the hall of fame induction this is r and r 
And you're on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Score $1,000 cash for Back to School and another 1K for your favorite school or charity. Register to win now at sasportstar.com. Good luck from the Institute for Functional Health and 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Good morning, everybody. Joe Ryan here. What a weekend it was. The Dallas Cowboys played a football game. Did anybody surprise you? We'll talk about that. Plus, we had Pop, Becky, and Tony all go into the Basketball Hall of Fame. Man, what a weekend. It was incredible, including that party last night. Rob, glad to see you made it in. <laughs> Barely. Yeah, you were a little late getting here. Yeah, my co-host didn't quite make it, but he was the reason for the party as he hosted a quince for his beautiful daughter. Tati, happy birthday. What a wonderful night last night. Yeah, Joe and I, uh, uh, Joe got to stay a little bit later than I did. He could have anyway. I had to bail out early. There was, I, I, I left the quince like feeling, feeling, uh, feeling good about America's youth. Yeah? Because as the, the thing got started, we had a, it was nothing but line dancing. I don't know. I was a surprised. Trip down I was a little surprised. Lane. See the Tootsie Roll right off the top. Right off the top, they were Tootsie Rolling. A little Cupid shuffle happening as well. It was a, a little electric, electric slide action. They were down, and the kids today are carrying on quite well. Good party last night, too. The Hall of Fame was a fine party as well. You know, I wonder what that dinner was like afterwards. Those things are the, to be a fly on the wall. Right? And that's one of the reasons I've never really been – when the Hall of Fame induction, I, I celebrate the achievements. But for the most part, mm-hmm. I don't watch the speeches. It's just – you know, it's a very personal thing for a lot of them. And they talk about things that I really wasn't privy to. And that was very much the case as we listened to Pop and, and Becky and Tony talk about the intricacy of the Spurs. Tom James. And, and, yeah, and R.C. Buford, who, by the way, needs to be a, a, his next. own orange jacket owner. That's a, a – a, a debate for another day, but he certainly does belong there. But at the end of the day, you know, as Dwayne Wade was probably the headliner for all, Greg Popovich is the greatest coach the NBA has ever seen, and he was really the signpost for me. And uh, it all began on Saturday when Becky talked about the coach that gave her a shot. But I was also blessed with being around people of great excellence. Pop, I'm not going to look at you. I'm not crying. You're crying. Did somebody eat some onions in here? You're a man of principle and excellence. I know you weren't trying to be courageous when you hired me, but you did do something nobody else in professional sports has ever done. You display excellence, you expect excellence, and model how to become excellent in your everyday routine and how you go about your work. You spoke courage into me with a phone call as I was getting ready to coach that first summer league team in 2015. You said, just be you, you're gonna be great. And you've texted me that. I don't even know if you know how many times you've actually texted me that. Just be you, just be you, just be you. And you've changed the trajectory of my life and of so many other girls and young women. Thank you. I love you. Becky Hammond, new Hall of Famer, speaking to the other new Hall of Famer 
Greg Popovich. And you you know, I don't I didn't consider the importance other than we have a woman who was fully capable mm-hmm. and got the opportunity and has gone on to prove exactly that Pop was right. But the ramifications of him saying yes and hiring a female coach, it does matter and it will ripple and it will carry on through the years. And I don't think Pop was ever it hasn't been given the credit for that. Pop did give her the opportunity. Pop did put her in a position to succeed. But I still have an issue with the fact that she had to go to the WNBA to prove it. Well, that's out of our control. You're right. And uh, she's been up for a couple gigs, didn't get it, and I have a sense that she'll be up for many more after you've seen what she's been doing. Oh, man, I'm not sure they're going to be able to beat the Liberty, but that's for another day. Sabrina Ionescu. Ooh, uh, Greg Popovich, I think, had the line of the night as he was talking about how and why he got to the Hall of Fame. And, you know, he could have been in a decade ago. He could have been in a long time ago and just kept putting it off because he didn't want to go in until all of his guys were going in. And finally, Tom, Tony is in. We're still waiting on RC. But he talked about the reasons why he was in. And the most important reason was, duh. Listen to this. Thank you for your patience, but that's the first reason why I'm standing here. The second reason involves one word, so it's going to be quick. That's great, huh? One word, and that word is duh. for this a long time. I'm not done. I didn't say duh was the end. I just said there's one word to describe why I'm here. And that's duh, those guys. Did you hear the little video where I said, listen, listening is important. I was tasked with the job to try to create an environment so we could have some success. You know, people, you know, you got some good players, you got to do something. And I'm going to give myself credit. I did. You know what I did? I was there. I watched it all. I saw it, and I have pictures to prove that I was there while they won championships. And you can't take that away from me. Greg Popovich speaking to the easiest job a man could have, right? All you had to do was show up. You had David and Tim and Tony and Manu. You had R.C. Buford guiding the way and a bunch of guys that were in it to win it. How hard could it have been? Right? I don't know. How Anybody. Many, how many super teams has LeBron tried to form and failed? It is. A, whenever you hear geniuses speak, whenever you hear people that are extraordinary in a certain field, when they talk about what they're doing, to them it's common sense. To them, everything that they did made perfect sense, and they don't know why anybody else had never done it. It just seemed to make sense for them. Well, that's the essence of genius. The, the, he did something that... We would have thought would have been possible. We would have thought we would have tried to do it, but to get it done took a genius level thing that he can, he said, you can't be Johnny Wooden. You can't be Bobby Knight. You've got to be you. Well, you, Pop, is a genius. And you combine that with servant leadership, never being in the way. It is one of those things that was a extraordinary weekend. There's a reason the pop tree permeates throughout the NBA currently. The branches are long and sturdy. 
And it's because he teaches these younger coaches to be who they are and to take what he's taught them and run with it. I want to. This all began with a deal. This all began back in 1997 with a deal that Pop and David struck. I'm going to tell you about that deal in a second, but I want to give away some tickets real quick. Uh, the Hunter's Extravaganza is coming up at the Joe Freeman Coliseum. It's one of those annual things here in San Antonio that if you're a hunter or you're an outdoorsman, you know it's coming and it's finally here. I've got a family four-pack to give away right now. 656-3776, 656-ESPN is the number you need to dial. Get on the phone. We're going to be giving away a four-pack to caller number five to go all weekend long. It starts on Friday goes or Thursday, Friday, and it'll go all weekend long. That's at the Joe Freeman. It is a fantastic event. And if you haven't been, grab the kids. Let them go play with the rattlesnakes. <laughs> be caller number five. You're going to be going to the Hunter's Extravaganza. But when you look back to when Pop took over the Spurs, this was a team that had uh, – It was the they were the dead last. They lost 60 games that year. David Robinson had a bad back. He was held out. Right. Remember, he was the interloper. Remember how this came Bob to Hill be. Bob Hill was loved. Bob, well, I wouldn't say loved, but Bob Hill was a winner at the very least in the regular. This dude got fifty wins a year. We just couldn't. We just didn't have the gumption. And then Pop fires him. It, it felt like a palace coup. You fired Bob Hill when he didn't have David Robinson. Well, nobody was going to be successful. But Pop made a deal with David Robinson. This is it. And with David, it was, okay, I curse. <laughs> I don't want to curse. I know it's ignorant. But you got to be who you are because kids hold your ears. Because players have great bullshit tonight. And if you're not genuine, they know it in a second. Just be yourself. You can't be Johnny Wooden or Bobby Knight or whoever. You can't do it. You just have to be yourself. So I made a deal with David, and he said, Pop, as long as you don't take the name of the Lord in vain, I'm going to try to put up with you. And I want to thank you for doing that. Because it, it worked. It worked. It worked. He's, He's right, goes, though. He, absolutely right. And I believe that in, in not just basketball, but in a lot of walks of life. Like, can people... Smell can smell BS, and if they don't believe you're being genuine, they will tune you out. And 20 years, 25 years later, we're still listening. Now, he had to make nice and build relationships with Hall of Famers, alpha males, all of them. Mm -hmm. His relationship with Tim, though, above and beyond, different. Uh, Timmy, uh, with Timmy, the relationship was I just wanted him once in a while – to listen to what I said, or just nod his head, so that I knew that he heard me. I just wanted some self-satisfaction. I wanted to feel good about myself. I wanted to think that I was really coaching this team. And once in a while, he acquiesced, and he'd give me a nod. And I'm thankful for that. I really am. See, just like that. That's what he does. Pop the guide, Tim the anchor. It all revolved around Tim. But at the end of the day, it was the relationships that he built with the others. On uh, Tony Parker, he talked about how Tony, when he first came into the league, how hard he had to coach Tony. With Tony, 
I just asked them to be perfect. Uh, and at 19, that was tough. If you could switch the social, you know, situations that we have now compared to back then. If I coached him now the way I did then, I would be in handcuffs. Uh, <laughs> seriously, I would be behind bars, don't you think, Tony? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I have mellowed, right? He tells me I'm soft now. So I can't go back to those days. You've got to change. You've got to change. What an interesting situation to go in with your coach, to go into the Hall of Fame together. It's only happened one other time that I know of. What an interesting thing. Parker was blessed with the opportunity to thank his fellow Hall of Famer. Coach Pop, it starts with him. Coach Pop, you're unbelievable. You're unbelievable. I can say, I can, I can say a lot of stuff about you, Papo. Uh, the way you cursed at me and the, the language that you used to, to, to push me, but I have my kids here, so I'm just going to keep it simple. <laughs> at the end of the day, you threw me in the fire. At 19 years old, you, in five games into my rookie year, you put me in the back in the plane, you call me, and you're like, you're starting tomorrow. I was like, really? I was like, did you talk to Timmy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I was still thinking he, he didn't like French people, so I was like a little bit scared, you know? And Pop's like, you'll be fine. You're starting, and the rest is history. You've always been a second dad to me, Pop. Everything you did for me and my family, I appreciate everything. Thank you, Pop. I love you. Tony Parker, on his induction speak, speaking to his fellow Hall of Fame inductee, Greg Popovich. Now, we've talked about several, but we have not talked of the lion. And Pop talked about what it took to let Manu be Manu. Relationships. Manu. Uh, like I think Tony said it took two years for us to figure it out. Was it, was it that long? But what I learned from Manu, once he came to me one day, he says, you know, I'm moaning and groaning at him. And, Bob, I am Manu. This is what I do. <laughs> it's a true story, quote unquote. And at that point, I learned how to zip it and just let him play. Uh, and sometimes that's the best thing we can do as coaches is just to let them play. That's hard to, it's hard to fathom for a coach to say, but it's true. Just letting him be who he is. And that seemed to be kind of the, the thread amongst all that talked about Pop. All he ever wanted you to do was be you. Mm -hmm. And he thanked everybody around him. He talked about the, uh, the fans, the relationships, but he talked about his ownership. Let's listen to him talk about those that brought him and kept him around though these many years. I've been blessed with great owners from the very beginning. Uh, Red McCombs, uh, an iconic figure, philanthropist, uh, great man, brought the team to San Antonio and uh, was a great mentor for me. Uh, he's no longer with us, uh, but the influence he had on me was tremendous. Uh, then General Robert F. McDermott bought the team and kept it in San Antonio when everybody thought it was going to leave. Uh, David had a lot to do with it staying in San Antonio. Uh, so, uh, and then, our, then the team was bought uh, by the Holt family, our current owners. Peter Holt and Juliana Hahn Holt uh, were fantastic and they set the tone for our culture uh, the demands, the standards that we're still trying to live by. Uh, at this point, uh, on a day-to-day -day operation, they've turned it over to their children, 
to Peter John Holt and his sister Corinna, who uh, I'm very grateful for in the sense that they've been just as trusting as their parents. Uh, they allow us to do our jobs. Uh, we keep them informed. Uh, but so far they've sent me no out-of-bounds plays or anything like that. Uh, I'm really indebted to them. Greg Popovich speaking to that ownership chain that he's been a part of uh, since he arrived some 30 or 25 years ago. But all in all, it was about us, right? Oh, no. I kept waiting, but he did. You're making this about you, aren't you? Yeah, well, I'm, th- I'm making it about us. Pop talked about the fans through these many years. Our fans have been great, just like in every city now, I think. What are you people doing here? Who invited you? Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pretty large town, but it's a very small town atmosphere. And they think we belong to them. And, and we, we kind of like it because we feel responsible to them. So thank you all. We're going to continue to try to do our best. Greg Popovich kind of summing up what was a great, great weekend in uh, Springfield, Mass. As all of us Spurs types, they were all up in the stands. You see everybody up there. Oh, it's a very Spurs it was, Hall of Fame. You know, and it's I, I'm certainly the 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 spotlight was focused firmly on our Spurs. But Dwayne Wade going in, this was an extraordinary class. James, I want to thank you for sitting around with me today. Of course. But we're just the beginning of a full sporting one. The Blitz gets going in just a couple of hours. And let's welcome Jim Rome at noon. The jungle is here. We'll see you tomorrow.